still very much in the round. Oh, Chris, he's found three. It's down to a two-on-two. Chris, can he close this with an ace? Oh, my God. He gives him a chance, at least, and this CZ kill could be everything. Finally, Zeus, he does something. Looking for a second, he connects it. Oh, and he gets a third as well. Surely he's not going to pull this off. Welcome, everybody. It's another episode of Revenge by the Numbers. It's been a while. We've had uh, some breaks here and there as we uh, get ourselves set up for the rest of this year. But uh, now we're back with another episode, and we're going to hop right into the RMR and some other news. But first, I have to uh, obviously welcome Thorne to the show. Thorne, that's such a, like, I we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. But you can tell how out of the mix I am, how, how it's been a while, because I immediately fall back onto, like, the super set. You know, here's how we introduce the show, all that, whereas usually it's a bit more conversational. So uh, yeah, you see, we're 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 shaking off the cobwebs here. But uh, how you doing, dude? You good? Yeah. You ha- have you had some uh, some good time focusing on the RMR and everything else? Yeah, in general. Like in, in general, like in one of the things about this year, it's been quite cool. Is if people don't know, my other main game is obviously League of Legends, and in League of Legends, they actually like changed the format for how the European League runs. It's way better than it used to be. Instead, basically, it's akin to what like Pro League changed, where instead of having a group stage, you sort of make it more like brackets and stuff. So that's been quite good. And then yeah, for CS:GO, obviously, all the focus is on this major. Like I actually think now the downside of Phase winning the Grand Slam already is it means those other IEM events that aren't the major, like Dallas and Rio, no one really gives a shit about those anymore you know it's like because those were going to be the last chances to win the grand slam before the exactly. game ended so i noticed that's basically now it feels like it's just the major in it like the major is all that's really left like sure if the right teams win the other tournaments we'll all go mad on them but really we're all looking to one last tournament and because of the cs2 angle we're just almost looking at it where even though the next major won't be for another year after it feels like after this major it's just like right close cs go down into the box and put the tape around it and put it in the attic like it's over in it like for example when we talk on this episode about some of the people who didn't make it to the RMR, dude, I can tell the penny hasn't dropped for some people. Like, it's not that Astralis is doing badly, guys. They fucked up the last major ever in CSGO. It's over. And by the way, does anyone not realize how insane that is? Remember, like, Device had that record up until the end of, like, when he was in Nip and he was at Stockholm. He was in the playoffs of every major, for fuck's sake. He's not even going to be at the major. So I think that's the big thing for me. Is like this, Even though it feels like we're sort of still in the calm before the storm, for me, I feel like the last chapter of CS Course. So I'm actually quite interested. So it is though why I will always be forever sad about the way we do the qualification system now. Like, first of all, Obviously, in the online area, we went back to this system where, like, RMRs don't go into one big qualifier. They just go directly to the major. I'm so done with that already, guys. Have you not seen the fucking America's major? Like, fucking every Brazilian team in the world just gets to qualify for free. And then you go over to Europe and you have to play amazing teams to get through. Like, it's so scuffed. And then the other thing is as well, dude, I saw a thread on Reddit the other day that almost made me, like, despair for humanity. Right, after watching their one millionth um, Swiss system featuring best of one similar and seeing all the crazy results you get and how you get those matches where two uh, bad teams yeah. go I to one and zero, one. then they play and then they're two and zero. And suddenly, right, even though the logical conclusion would be, right, the format's flawed, this doesn't happen in other tournaments, and so we should shore it up a bit. No, no, the real conclusion Reddit took was, this actually proves that tier one's sort of a myth. There are no better teams. And the only reason, this is real, guys, this was, this was the 
the consensus of the shit heels who make up Reddit. All the famous accounts are in there. You can go check it. Their consensus take on the format is this, that if people like FaZe and Team Liquid and G2 had to play the likes of, you know, Bait and fucking One Win every tournament, actually they'd just be losing to those guys. Like, that's what the fucking brain trust in CSGO fans took from this, as opposed to the obvious conclusion. Because we'll get into some of this soon, because obviously it won't just be about who did and who didn't qualify. Like I say, it's a big deal because it's the last major. To me, the real storyline is this. It's like, it doesn't matter how you switch around that shit format. It always means there are these terrible results. Now, look, you can factor in. I always have thought one element of it is you are putting an insane amount of pressure on everyone who's a big team in a weird way, right? Because logically, you would think the pressure should be on the B8s and the one wins of the world, right? Because they're borderline to make it to the major. But if you notice, they don't ever have the pressure, mate. The pressure is on, like, FaZe Clan, G2, the teams that are supposed to win the major. Because in the modern day, what you've done, which is what I don't like about it, unfortunately, is you have made it so that the rest of the calendar doesn't matter once you get to the RMR. So the there real problem is, like, if this was any other sport, you'd, you'd essentially auto-qualify or you'd qualify at a certain stage. Or, yeah. or you'd invite the top X players, you know. you do. Oh, by the way, what we do in the normal circuit, think about, like, ESL Cologne runs. There's a reason right. ESL Cologne, I am Cologne, if people don't know, always has the best teams because they invite a certain amount. So you get the top, whatever, 16. Then you do a qualifier for a couple of other spots. Like, essentially, if you're working out, we figured this out years ago. Unfortunately for the major, though, we really do make it so that, like, you could be the great, you could be Astralis back in the day. You still have to qualify. I mean, you didn't back when they did because they had the legend spots. But in the modern day, they would do. Even if they'd won the last major, they'd have to start again, come through an RMR. Go through, uh, the problem with that is, I think it's just too many. It's not that, it's not that, like, you still shouldn't get through if you're the best. Of course, you should. But it's just you've added a Essentially, like seven chances to just strip over, trip over, and fucking get mod on yourself, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I, I always feel a bit fraught whenever we come to this point because for me, I can't get as much into the enjoyment of the upsets. I'm just sort of hoping all the big teams make it so it doesn't ruin the tournament. That's exactly it. And especially when you have a format that involves best of ones. I mean, granted, they tried to meet us halfway by putting best of threes in the elimination matches or in the deciding matches, right? If you're going in or if you're going up yeah, or down, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So they are trying in a way to 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 cut that off a little bit and say, okay, well, we'll we'll give we'll give the more uh, advanced team, the more experienced team, an edge in that in a best of three, they should be able to win it. But you still have these best of ones that can just throw that, that can really throw you off. You know, you you show up cold, the other team shows up hot, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in this weird situation where you could potentially have two top tier teams Dude, that are going at you. Don't you think when you watch the BO1s, it feels now like almost any result is possible. Like yeah. it, back in the it, day, it was like, you know, you look for the one where it's close. Like, dude, now I actually feel like no joke. Even the Navis of the world could just lose to anyone in a BO1. It's crazy. Yeah. It's that's, crazy, that's, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, if you are, uh, if you're, if you're betting on these kinds of best of one matches, like. <laughs> I mean, uh, man, we're not going to talk about in this episode. Let's be real. But how about that? Like British team. Everyone's yes, talking all this shit. Think breathe. about this, guys. The same... Remember, last major, everyone took the conclusion that G2 failing to qualify meant they were a bad team. By the way, they won two lands after that. This British team's already qualified through that. Who are they? A bunch of nobodies, basically. So, like, well, on the one hand... Well, on the one hand, good for them, cool, but like, fucking hell, like, this format is wild, bro. This format is wild. Yeah, they go in as legends as well now, so they're going to be, they're up there with Navi, and I mean, to be fair, you also have Fnatic, who, who managed to, who managed to, through two best of ones over Viperio, another British, uh, well, let's say British Isles mix, you got a couple of uh, Irish lads in there, and then, um, and then who else? They had one win. You know, so it's like, okay, cool that, you know, Forrester, Boomich, I mean, these are these are guys who have a bit of experience, uh, Nickelback, you know, you've got, these are guys who have got a bit of experience, but still, I mean, that could be, 
you know, you're, you're, you're kind of level a tournament. It's not the RMR, but I mean, you're getting two best of ones against two teams like that. And then you get bait as well as your best of three. So, I mean, uh, sometimes you really do get just this, this perfect luck of the draw in terms of who you keep going up against. And uh, it does feel like sometimes your bracket that you get to qualify for, you play three matches and you know, you're playing against three of the easiest teams in the entire group. I mean, even if, okay, fine. Uh, in one win, for example, you were playing against them. They still had to get a win to get there. They beat Bad News Eagles in the first round, one win, for example. But like, it still seems really weird that you're not having to go up against um, a higher seed opponent, at least in your deciding round, for example, uh, that'll get you through. You can literally There's no way to calculate, I'm afraid. Like, that's the flaw with not using real seeding. It's like, you have to hope the system, this Buchholz thing, where every now and then it doesn't. Like, you've seen a couple of examples, like you say, where you get one through and they win, and you're like, who? That's why the one saving grace of this RMR, if people don't know, compared to past RMRs, is when they got the extra slot, what they did is put it on the EU, but as that, like, last bracket. So people go and look, and Falcons aren't out yet. They play in this last like qualifier bracket. There's like remaining slots. So that's what's different from the past. It's not just a normal BO5. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, I mean, like for example, FaZe, it's very likely they're still going to get through. It's the best of three on land. Like they should get through. They're the better team. I mean, it is pretty fucking. I mean, you might as well just talk about that right off the bat already. Because uh, uh, I saw I saw a quote from Kadian um, in one of these post-match interviews where he said that, you know, if you're not coming into the tournament just all guns blaze and ready to kick ass and take names, you're already a step behind. And, I mean, to be fair, for these for these up-and-coming teams, this is their golden opportunity to make mountains of cash and to, to make a name for themselves. Bad News Eagles, we wouldn't even know who they are if it weren't for these sorts of tournaments, right? So, I mean... Those guys are going to be raring to go, ready to hit the ground running and get in there. So if you if you aren't sharp, if you aren't able, uh, and you're not dialed in, I mean, you you very well could wind up in the position that Phase are in, where, you know, I think that them, I think not only in terms of uh, the uh, the storyline for ESL, because of course it's a disaster, like you said for ESL, that they've managed to win Pro League and not wait until C Cologne or something, right, uh, in order to win the Grand Slam. Uh, they've also achieved that huge goal. So again, they have that, that coming back down again, that yo-yo effect where they were all the way up the top. And now they have to like, they have a couple of weeks off as well. You know, so it's like time to kind of let loose a little bit, time to kind of let the, let the tension go. And then you got to come back in here to the RMR where everybody's going to be going hard and you have to get yourself back into that frame of mind to, to kick ass and take names. It really feels like, uh, yeah, FaZe, FaZe had their work cut off for him in this one, and they weren't able to really uh, convert it. So that was that is such a weird thing. But then again, I guess, you know, it really is the Blast format, right? It's It, feel, it feels like we're in the Blast group stage where it's like, oh, and don't worry. You know, you're, you're going to get eliminated once, and then there's another bracket that's going to catch you. And then you got the last chance showdown. <laughs> like, it really is a Blast format because they've even got a freaking bracket that's going to be set up with the ninth through 11th teams in this big group of 16 teams. The ninth to 11th gets slotted in for a six-man all or nothing kind of tournament to qualify for the major. Do you think FaZe will make it through there? This I'm would mean that you're going to yeah. lose your bet, though, because uh, that, that would mean the Falcons aren't going to make it. So I don't know, dude. Uh, what do you want? No, I mean, they're not playing against each other, though. So Yeah, but there, isn't there only one slot? Am no, I every single person who wins a match wins a slot. That's what I mean. It's very likely FaZe is going to go be it. They have to lose another best of three. Oh, I... Oh man, I completely yeah. listen. Falcons might not. That's the more borderline one because obviously Falcons I did require to do a lot of work in the best of ones. And the one that they fucked up similar was the one where they played against um it was Are you sure about against... this, dude? Because Blast like I'm on Wikipedia, go and have a look. I'm 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 looking at the format on Wikipedia and it says uh it, like the prize pool. There's no prize pool, it's just six teams in this uh this last chance elimination bracket, European RMR yeah. decider bracket. Yeah. and only first place has a blast Paris major contender status. None of the others do. 
So are you sure that you just have, like it's top three or is it just the number one team? Unless Liquipedia is fucking this up, but Here's I only the see problem. It one team. In that case, uh, I oh. think what, listen, what they've made the mistake of is they've stupidly on Liquipedia on mm. stage one written qualified where what they mean isn't qualified for the major. They mean you've qualified for stage two, which is that that's bracket. Exactly. I think so what they're going to do is the three teams that win are going to be in like a gauntlet essentially. And you're right. There's going to be one spot apparently. By the way, Falcons is very unlikely to win it anyway. What I was going to say was the real problem Falcons had was they could basically have made it if they'd won that game against um, Gamer Legion, who they actually were. Or they almost won the first map. They did win the second. If they'd won that, they would have been through. The problem they have is they're not actually good enough. Like, they should lose to OG. If they end up playing Faze, they're obviously going to lose. Or it's very unlikely Falcons will make it up. But at least if you're Faze, like, if you can lose, like, one or more best of threes on land, like, at that point in time, you probably shouldn't be at the major. I don't, think, I don't have a problem with that. Sure, 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 sure. My, oh, by the way, on the Cadian thing, though, here's why it's rich as fuck Cadian saying that now. It's like, okay. motherfucker, you played against 500. That's the name of the team, by the way, guys. You don't even know anyone I, on the team. You I, do. I, the ship's on it, but you don't know anyone else. You played 500. Then you played Aurora, who the most famous person is, Starix, the coach. Yeah, he's still around, guys. And then you played against Monty, not fucking Monty Cristo from League of Legends. You played <laughs> against Monty, which was those guys who obviously is like Waro and Boros, basically a bunch of people who were on like Mad Lions just a few years ago from Eastern Europe, right? That's the, the That's the teams Cadian played against. And then he thought, right, wait a second. Um, Carrigan, listen up. I'm going to give you advice on um, how you get into these major things, bro. Like, who the fuck are you, Cadian Moore? Like, you know, like, Faze had a hard time. They started out with playing OG. You have a whole bunch of really good players. Then they went through. They only played a little team called Na'Vi with the GOAT. Cadian, you should know something about losing to the GOAT, mate. You've done it a million times. You've lost to the GOAT more times than a fucking English explorer doing his first trip with nomads in the fucking desert in the 18th century. That's straight fire. Sort of reference about how they cook the GOAT there, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty good. I was working with someone. I was on something. Anyway, whatever. We'll bring it all back. Here's the thing. Fundamentally, is an abstract concept. He is right. Like, essentially, what I was sort of talking about with the pressure there, Samler, is when you're in a match like this, it is actually human nature if you're phased, for example, where you're much better than a lot of the teams you're playing, obviously not like Navi, but the other teams, you do sort of think I'm playing not to lose the game. I'm just playing to get through. Whereas the problem is that guy, especially when it is someone like those British guys, they are sort of playing like it's the major final for them. Like this is the biggest match of their life. Like of course they're dialed in. Whereas unfortunately when you, I've always thought the biggest problem in Counter-Strike, especially it seems like other esports games don't seem to work this way. is because of the round nature of how a game is done. You don't actually even get panic stations at the beginning of the game. So like, even if the other team starts like 5-0, then they win a big 1v1. Your brain, you're always thinking like, yeah, but I'm better than them. Like, I've got so many shots. You know, I'll get back in the game. I'll win this. And I always feel like the real problem in Counter-Strike is you only get the proper panic feeling when you're like three quarters of the way through the game. And all of a sudden they're at like, you know, like 12-5. And you you start going like, oh, wait a minute. That's, this is getting a bit tight. Whereas if you think about it, right, in a game like League of Legends, if you're behind in the early game, you already know you're in trouble, bro. You're already like, fuck, but it's not a in. Like, so I think unfortunately in Counter-Strike, this is why we need a really robust qualification system, in my opinion, because there's there's so much upset potential in this game. It's one of the things people like about it, to be fair. It's, it's one of the craziest variance games ever, probably. Right now, it, it feels like it. I mean, especially when you're in these kinds of studio environments, you know, you don't have an audience in front of you, so you're not really playing in that. You're kind of in this halfway house where I think enough players are now starting to get enough experience with that studio environment as well, where they can actually play well. We're seeing a higher level out of them than they would, for example, if there were fans there or if they were playing on a stage. So we're kind of like in this halfway house kind of phase coming out of COVID now where it feels like teams are really starting to uh, get their groove back on land. But um, 
Yeah. You know, a point I, mean, I actually thought you might like, you didn't have it in your notebook, but I thought I'd bring it up, is because you referenced this on the past ones. You know, obviously the story of the Bad News Eagles, the amazing aspect is that they keep qualifying to all these majors, but technically, if people don't know, Bad News Eagles isn't like an org name of like a famous org with loads of sponsors. Like famously, one of the things they did was, much like when Copenhagen Flames first made the top eight and they asked for people to buy them, Bad News Eagles the whole time was saying, we're available to be bought essentially, but they chose not to take some more smaller offers. Well, if you look now, Seller, this is three majors in a row they've made it to. Dude, if they actually did do this right behind the scenes, the stick of money alone for three majors with no odd cut, that could actually be pretty spicy, mate. Especially because oh, yeah. on some of these, they skip to the second Swiss system, if you notice. So, like, yeah, I mean, they must actually have probably made out like bandits on that one, if you think about just financially. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Because remember, That's you never bloody see these guys in the other tournaments, do you? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, they're never in, in, in any other fucking other tournament. Like, I've never seen them in a bloody cologne or something. Where are they? For them, for them, it really is. It's, it's <laughs> interesting because for them, it really is the RMR or bust because you're right. Yep. It's not like their org has money to, to be paying out salaries or anything like that. I mean, I imagine what's happening is because they, like, that's the best part as well. They own the org. So not only do they have their player signature stickers that they're going to be making money off of, they're going to get the organization stickers as well. So I imagine what's happening is that they've just decided, okay, we're going to divvy, divvy it up this way, right? You know, everybody gets 20%. The coach gets 10%, something like that probably, you know, and then there, there you go. go. That's all the money. That's all the money that comes in and it just goes to everybody and you live off of that until the next major comes around. And the thing is, is that they live in Kosovo. So, I mean, it's like cost of living isn't that high up there and also taxes not that high up there. So all of a sudden that money's going to go a long yeah. way for these guys. And so, you know, if anything, that really is, I mean, if Valve want to pat themselves on the back, right, and say like, oh, we're giving opportunities to people, you know, who wouldn't have it otherwise. I mean, this really is the case where. Uh, these guys just through being able to qualify just by being able to get in there with the stickers they're able to play counter-strike full-time and actually focus on it full-time so that is i mean I, interestingly enough that is a pretty big deal uh the thing is is that i guess what we were talking about in the past is which kind of org if there was going to be an org that would pick them up if the situation were to change like who would be able to pick these guys up now because if they're so consistent at getting into majors there's actually some value to having them as well. If you're an orc, you would have to probably pay a little bit more than if they were just no names. It's why I mean, even though, as far as I know, there was no basis to the rumor. Like there actually are, as far as I know, no actual behind the scenes rumors as to who TSM, the all go pick up. But obviously okay. they've been bragging that they're coming to CS go off since earlier on. Like we did a past episode, but if people don't know, cause recently the LCS org, like the League of Legends, what made TSM is in big trouble. And there's a world where they might even sell or leave the fucking league because they're doing really badly in terms of finance. If people don't know, they were sponsored by literally that exchange that went down and all that jazz. So yeah, basically because they're in trouble, they might pivot even harder into CS go but the implication to me people have suggested maybe this is one of the teams they'll pick up now i think that's a terrible idea because in my opinion if you're going to be an org like tsm you can't have a shit team you look like a fool if you do like you have to come in with a big heavy hitter like the difference is people like ents can also play that game because if they lose no one blames them you go it's just ents isn't it like it's not a big deal if they're bad if you're tsm you can't be bad i mean just look at what's going on with evil geniuses mate they'll get brutalized so even though like like money wise it might be the right move to take a team like Bad News Eagles. I would hope personally the obvious team to me is if obviously people have heard Phase is in trouble. If Phase is in trouble, the most logical one would be try and get the Phase lineup to TSM. I feel like that would be a good one. Because yeah, aside from that, like I can't really think who would be primed to even get Bad News Eagles. Because the real problem you have in Counter-Strike is like making the major is a big deal. But people have to remember if all they do is make the major, like eventually that's going to not happen and then you just fucked that. You just got off for six months. So I feel like yeah. you have to really believe in this squad of players. There are some good players in the team. I just don't know. Personally, I just don't think the actual ceilings as high as other people 
people do. Like, fair play, I don't know how they qualify for all these majors, but I've got to see more than that as well. Especially because um, now if you're not in the Louvre agreement, if you're not a part of uh, this organization, uh, the either partner spots in Blast or partner spots at ESL, and basically they're interchangeable now. It's pretty much the same teams anyway. I mean that's it. You're on you're you're on the outside looking in. So it really is this uh, this kind of space that's uh, that's hard to um, to get into um, unless you are actually just straight up buying a tier one org and then it's worthwhile to get in or swapping out spots with another org like the way that Heroic did or something like that. Um, you're not really going to be able to do much with it. I mean the thing is though, dude, I you know because that when you point it when you paint it out when you paint the picture that way, i.e. Bad News Eagles are now making multiple majors and are still consistently getting through RMRs. The amount of money that they're making, I mean, why bother getting uh, getting an org at this point if you're the players? I mean, you're you're going to be making so much money that you should be able to just, even if you were to miss a major, you're still probably going to be just fine until the next one comes around. So it's uh, it's it's actually, or you could you could even convert this into making the org yourself and making Bad News Eagles a real thing, and then actually you know maybe bringing on some other teams and hiring some people to handle the business side of running the team. And then all of a sudden you're, you're building a team that you may own a share of for real, not Astralis shares, but like actual share, you know, a, a chunk of it as a player. And you can move on from there. It could be an interesting thing for them uh, going forward. Again, one of those things, one of those opportunities that Valve have actually um, created for the players. So good on them, good on them for that at least. I mean, we could kind of work our way through the. Um, there's a there's a there's a few things obviously to talk about. I.e. Gamer Legion not getting uh not getting legend status is probably one of the bigger ones considering. We just pick out some interesting teams. Like by the way, if people want, I'll actually give a few thoughts on Falcons since you referenced them earlier. Right, like, I didn't really pick this team because if people don't know on Hot Take Point Made, which you can watch on this YouTube channel, I did like as a hot take. Me and Kassad did a bet that like Falcons would make it. And he obviously said they wouldn't. Right, you have to understand. Even on that, I do say there's no actual analytical reason I'm giving as to why. Like what is? Mean? I just think that like the qualifier throws up random results, then hence anyone can make it, and then. By by the way, as this team proved. And then the other thing is, I hoped, obviously, Kenny S would have, like, a throwback. By the way, that didn't happen. Like, if you go and watch, Kenny S might have had one good map the entire bloody RMR. Like, even if they'd have made it through, it wouldn't have been because of him, unfortunately. But, actually, a bunch of the other players did have good games. Like, Body had a whole bunch of maps that were good. NBK was pretty good. Even Masuta was half-decent. Like, the team isn't terrible. It's just the problem is, like, one, Kenny just still looks... I think he was under a lot of pressure in that game. He looked even worse than the online games. And then, two, they're just not, like, a great team, mate. Like, you can tell they've got like a bit of something, but like pretty sweet, even in a lot of these close games, the other team looked like they were usually out fragging them. So it was fun for like the nostalgia the angle of the Kenny S bit, but it hasn't worked out yet. And like I say, actually, if you look at the now the E bracket, logically they shouldn't make it now. I was, I, I am kind of saying that tongue in cheek because, of course, I, I do think that you were just going for the memes with that pick. Uh, that it's oh, just I, I, my point is, I just like Kenny S, so fuck it, exactly. why not? We'll just say if um, it, we're in a random fucking qualifier, I'm not going to be here like, well, Thorin, you know, they're not doing as well as they should. <laughs> well, I mean, they actually are kind of doing exactly as well as they should. They, if they, anything, it's like you punch it above, yeah, exactly. That it's like, I mean, you, I would expect them to wind up in this kind of range in the group because they still have all that experience on the team, the NBK, the Kenny, the Misuda, like these are guys who have actually got experience. So I do expect them to actually do better than your one wins or your baits or your I mean, they've already player. done better than the reigning world champions, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Literally yeah. true. They even brought Norbert back, mate. The reigning world champions couldn't make it as fast as washed Kenny S. <laughs> 
Is that not the craziest thing? Mad, what, the, what the hell is going on with Vertigo? The thing is, I love it though, mate, because another hot take I had right after they won the major is I said that that, that team won't win any more tournaments in Counter-Strike. Like, it was just a fluke for me. It's cool. Look, it was a cool fluke. Like, the way they did it was cool. But, like, if you watch the way they won, sadly, that was also a sign that, like, the major was pretty kind of whack, unfortunately. Like, they were nowhere near the best team in the world, guys. Come on. They no. just had, like, a cool angle of how they played. That's all. And it worked out. It's almost like, yeah, that kind of uh, adjusting to the rule set or some kind of gimmick. Like, I don't know. I feel like uh, you would think about it in Dota or LoL where the meta changes and all of a sudden it really favors one of your particular players that you can then like play into. Like it really favors your team or something in that respect. And then the meta changes again and it's like, oh, nope, you <laughs> you had your two months in the, in the sun and that's it. Uh, you're out of it now. <clears throat> I'll even so, say, because this is an angle no one ever brings up. One angle no one bothers to point out as to why Outsiders also fell off is, I don't know why, but bizarrely, Jim always liked Dust 2 as a map, by the way, and they didn't have a very big map pulling Outsiders. Well, that was the map after the Major got replaced by Anubis, didn't it? And if you yeah. look, Anubis has gone the classic route similar. This is how you know no one actually thinks any of the recent Valve maps are good. They all become the least played map the second they're in the pool. Well, the problem is, if you remember, at that first blast, Anubis looked all right to play everyone thought oh maybe this will get in the mix it hasn't it's a map that no one get. everyone still pushes it to the back of the veto you try to get the other team to veto it and then you don't play it people very rarely pick into it so I do think the map pool switching probably also made outsiders worse because I think it's made everyone worse mate I think the map pool is also part of why CS isn't in the best spot right now because think about it every time you're in a veto you've got Anubis Vertigo and Ancient that's half the fucking map pool almost. Like, like everyone's going to maps they don't like at that point. Like, that's why you see so much ancient again, and that map fucking sucks, mate. I mean, it's it's a it's so it is it is it really leaves you something. I mean, I'm looking at actually the map stats right now for um, uh, Group A or RMRA, Europe RMRA, and ancient got played 16 times. Runner up was a Vertigo with 11. It's like holy shit. I mean, these are actually my least two. Like, this may also contribute to why I'm not like watching every match because it's just like, dude, I don't want to watch Ancient all day. I don't want to watch Vertigo all day. Pay me and I will. But like, if I'm just watching for my own sake, I mean, unless it's two big teams and there's a lot on the line, like I just don't want to watch Ancient and Vertigo. I fucking hate those maps. It's why one of my points I made online when everyone was so enamored with Valve and CS2 and bragging and all those streamers who got to go to the HQ talking about how amazing Valve devs are. It's like, are you guys ever going to ask them if we're going to get good maps? Like, you're literally there, bro, half the map pool shit. You're literally sat there and then they're just telling you that random stuff, by the way, like, look at this shiny pendant though. Look, 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 distracting you like with some fucking smoke. Meanwhile, the map is fundamentally shit that you're playing on. Like, what are you, here's the joke, mate. Shall I tell you what will blow people's minds? Because it just shows how dumb CS fans are. Semler, do you know the biggest complaint about CS2? Have you heard it? Uh, let's see. 64 tick servers. No, there's only one map. Dust 2. The oh. map you don't even have in CSGO anymore. <laughs> Valve, you're so dumb, it's unreal. That's uh... Guys, how's no one pointed out that the only map you can play in CS2 is the one that's not even in CSGO anymore? Like, what is this? What is this? That just shows me, whenever there's something new, what I had to learn a long time ago is the reason why this is a young man's business is because novelty just trumps everything else. Haven't you noticed that? Like, you don't, by the way, it's actually a wider picture about the world, but if you can just convince people, like, this is the new thing, they don't mm -hmm. really need to, like, it doesn't have to make sense. They just want to be part of the, I'm on the cutting edge. This is progress. So, like, even though, like, 
there's plenty of things about CS2 that, like I say, I'm mad lacking. Like, for example, why does no one bother complaining about basic stuff? Like, I'd turn to Valve Dev at some point if I was in the Valve HQ somewhere and go, are you ever going to fix this economy thing where if I lose the CT pistol, it fucks the whole out? No one ever brings that up, you know. They're all just sat there going, I can just imagine these fucking streamers and former washed pros all sat there like, eating like fucking almond joys, like, all right, brilliant. Oh, the smokes and everything. Oh, sick. Can I be the one who presses the button? Because, mate, if, and that's a callback if people don't know, because they made a massive deal when they launched the fucking skins that it was like Valve that pre no, it was fucking Nip that pressed the button, if you remember. Yeah. They made that whole thing about like, oh, pressing it. like, <laughs> And they made such a big furore. And obviously, you meant nothing, did it? Like, whatever. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Dude, I mean, the thing is, now I think it's pretty clear that... um this is what was it uh this is what i was talking about on stream the other day actually um in that uh it's pretty clear that if you're still working mainstream csgo you pretty much are just going to that's all you want to do you're not going to be interested in doing anything or saying anything that would would harm um your ability to cast or work a broadcast for csgo so the idea that you would go to to, to you'd go to um seattle and have any or bellevue you know and have anything to say uh criticize the valve devs in any way like none of that is i, I don't know oh, if you just look at happening. the look at the lineups now Semler. there are none of the people like me you and richard and, like where are they like there's no one dude even andis is barely in csgo now like that you're right there's no one left who actually will critique this shit because here's the real problem i'll just throw it out there the most obvious two people who actually can do this and in their nature this is exactly who they are as people is fucking yanko and sponge and the problem is this yanko if it really annoys him might make a comment on it but sponge if you notice for whatever reason just knows what way his bread's buttered he's been this way with the sl the whole time and he just clearly makes in his brain the choice of like i don't want to get into trouble talking about this topic he if people have never watched HL TV confirmed, the real reason I don't watch that show isn't what I joke about with like Professor and Striker being empty chair. Like, yeah, they're boring. The real problem is I don't get real Sponge on there. That's why I don't watch it personally. If Sponge actually gave like his real fucking opinions that he either gives in a green room or he gives some of them on the talk, he can't want. I would watch that show all the time. He's a really interesting analyst. But even he sort of knows like you don't want to upset. Essentially, like what we're saying is, I can boil it down to the one phrase, the dreaded phrase. They all just don't want to rock the boat. Whereas the whole premise of mine was I was fucking kayak white water rafting this motherfucker. <laughs> and then they went, Thorin, it's just a placid lake, please. No. Exactly. You were in there jumping up and down <laughs> exactly. in the boat to make bigger and bigger yeah. waves in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got like dust with like a life preserver. I'm like, please, I can't even swim. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember. I still remember that fucking. What was it? Dream Act Winner 2014. That meeting where you were just chewing the devs out because of the Titan fiasco. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> the devs like not know what to here's do. Here's the thing. One, yeah. By the way, too. One. That's where you know those devs had never like they 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 were like celebrities. If you don't get it, guys, that had obviously been like catered to their whole life and handled. And somehow someone had just let them in a room with someone like that. No, like you know, like let's say like press access or like credentials and just like asking them raw shit. And then secondly, the best thing of all in that whole meeting was that mm -hmm. as I left the room, you'd think right it would be Valve who'd say like right get that guy out and don't ever bring him in again. It was actually me. I left the room and I turned to Grey Card from Dreamac and I just said don't ever invite me to one of these fucking stupid meetings if they're here again i just left the room like a fucking g like <laughs> now here's the thing i will say similar that was just for chronology's purpose the first uh no that was dream act winter 2014 of course so like that, that was one where we'd already like i'd already started being a bit spicy to be fair so it wasn't like that was my first major but i agree like what that's just taught me is what i've known the whole time which is game devs just living like a they are sort of like 
they're like the fucking prince character in like the secret garden. You know that like little rich boy who's like like sequestered from the world and he's just spoiled and stuff. Like they don't really live in reality. They don't really know like all the real world of like what gamers are like and stuff, mate. That's why they have all. The, and sadly, all the pros who meet them just kiss their ass all day long, mate. It's like yeah. it, it, even I'm even talking about pros like the jokers. People like simple will be mad spicy about analysts. They'll never say shit to a go see us go dev, mate. They just tell them how brilliant they are. It's ridiculous. <laughs> all the pros do it i've seen it the, the weird thing when you're interacting with devs though particularly the valve devs you know it's really fascinating because they they're they're basically just running experiments on you the entire time and just toying with you every conversation that you have with them it's not the actual conversation that you think you're having what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out some point that they've already determined that they need to figure out and so they're they're like slowly it was uh, it was one of those uh where for example, they asked the pros, you know, it's like, what would you rather, uh, what, what do you think uh, having, like, what was it, what do you think Source 2 would uh, would fix, you know, and they were saying, uh, the pros were like, oh, it, uh, better hit reg or something like that, and so the, oh, the right. was like, oh yeah, we're just going to work on the models instead, then we'll fix the hit, hit reg, or we'll fix the models, and that's like okay. the workaround, what, what, what they eventually get to, but... Um, the devs, I mean, the weird thing that's, that's fascinating is because they've really managed to, uh, they've really managed to do a good job in the sense that they can't by maintaining like you say this uh this separation from the community and only ever rarely if ever interacting with the community directly they've created this this environment where the community just no matter if, if it's the slightest thing that valve does the community just go completely uh, overboard because they're so starved for interaction from the valve devs that anything the valve devs do and the community are just like oh valve's the best and uh everything's the best and it just all goes the best, and uh, and it may, and like that's the feel that you get from that. Whereas you know, on the other side of the thing, when we were talking about this, where the other devs that are now slaves to their community, i.e., Riot or Blizzard, where uh, it's the other side of the equation where they over interact with the uh, community and are now basically um, beholden to the community in every way. Um, it's interesting to see like how both of those, how how you have two approaches to dealing with the community, and then a question of like which one is best, which one do you think is best? I don't know though. Like the Valve one, it seems pretty. Uh, Seems better, but uh, just because uh, then you aren't beholden to the community, at least if you're Valve, you can just kind of do your thing, and that gives you a level of autonomy where you're not exactly uh, worried so much. And uh, clearly the community is going to keep coming back to you because the game keeps growing, so they're they're not necessarily worried in that sense either. They never had a Tracer's ass fiasco, you know? I guess. That's, that's a reference. I feel like that was one of the big turning points for Blizzard. All right. Um... We got other things to talk about here. Gamer Legion uh, denied legend, legend status. Did you see this? Uh, did you see this thing in terms of like them scheduling matches before results that could impact seeding were over with? Who are le there's a tweet from Acor, and uh, we'll include this in the description below if you guys uh, want to look at it. Uh, who are legends? Looking at this, if Apex wins against Bait, we would be legends, and the uh, tiebreaker should be played after the seeding games, not before. So like, were you following this live? This whole this whole no, situation no. with Gamer Legion and all that? Because apparently this was this was a thing. If Bucol's system has been used the entire tournament, shouldn't that decide it? If not, I don't know what makes sense anymore. It should be an easy decision. Move the tiebreaker to after the games. Ro five starts at eleven instead of tiebreaker after time game is played. I mean, it seems like given on a given the results, the results weren't in before Val before Valve or Blast before Blast established the seeding. It feels like a really weird sort of situation that played out here with Gamer Legion, where uh, they are not—they're getting denied the spot. Because if you look at the Bucol system, that was what was confusing about this: is that if you actually looked at the results, uh, how the Bucol's group played out, Gamer Legion have a better score than Into the Breach, and so Into the Breach should be in fourth. Into the Breach should be 
uh, should have been uh, should have been uh, major challengers, and instead, um, Gamer Legion should have been top three in uh, legend status. So, I don't know. Weird, uh, just a weird situation that Blast that uh, Blaster put themselves in, and it's been a long list of things. Uh, that, By the uh, way, there's an already a reason why this format with. sucks. Why are we going off some weird Bucolts formula to decide who skips a whole phase of the major? Like, crazy mm. idea. Have a system where either they play and the winner gets that spot, or have something where, like, because essentially the mistake here, Samler, is like what you're saying. It's like we both win the identical number of games, and at the end, some formula says you get to start in the top 16, and I have to start top 24. Like, what? We won the same number of games. Like, that just tells you, by the way, this is an inappropriate format. Mm -hmm. Like, one thing I love about about other formats is think about ESL's format, right? How they decide like the playoff teams. It's never like right at the end. Oh, sorry, you don't get a playoff spot because actually like, you won the same number of games as someone else, but he just arbitrarily gets it. It's like if you win this this match, you are in the playoffs. Like it's one thing I love about formats. I, I consider myself a specialist and aficionado of formats because I've watched so many different ones in esports history. And to me, similar one of the number one rules you need for a format is that for the person competing themselves actively in the tournament, it should be really obvious to them and the viewer where they are in the tournament and the fact that like. They're still alive in the tournament, or if they win, they go to this placing. The problem with Swiss as well is it leaves all these things where people like people themselves aren't sure. It's why I always used to hate the round robin similar because you would remember every round robin in Pro League would have that one fucking day where everyone had to become like a nerd and do all this maths to figure out who gets through on the tiebreaker. And it's like, yeah. how about we just play the bloody matches? And if I win, I'm through, and if I lose, I'm out. Easy, easy. Everyone understands that because in this scenario, if you're gambling on this case into the breach. What did you actually do? That means you get to skip that part of the tournament. Nothing really. It's some arbitrary weird factor of how the qualification works. Like you didn't do something special, you know? Yeah. That's what leaves you wondering. That's that really is what leaves you wondering. And then it's like, what some kind of coin toss in terms of who plays what match when, and this comes down to scheduling that then decides uh, who goes through and who doesn't. It's just, and by the way, just, I'm not that surprised also that it's a nightmare if you have to do an extra match like they're saying for seeding, Samler, because the other part that's quite flawed about the way this RMR has been run is because we still have a million IEM tournaments. Dude, the IEM qualifiers are taking place like now during all of this. Have you seen that? Like, it means that as a result, you've got this nightmare where teams are playing in the qualifier, but then they're also like having to schedule other online qualifiers around that. So like, I also hate that. Is there no way we can just block out the whole like RMR part and make it so teams only focus on that? Like, I think it's kind of whack that you could be playing there then you go online you play this match here for a tournament that's in two months like what's going on you just make it so we're focused on one thing if we can it's the last the major ever for fuck's sake scheduling yeah, dude everybody's uh, you know everybody's got to have their schedule everybody's oh, and by the way their, uh... here's the angle i want to throw at you as well because people haven't thought this through one of the only reasons i was a little bit reticent when i heard blast got the major is because blast has never done giant events mate Blasts on those small little blasts. Remember, even the modern day blasts, their finals and stuff are like eight teams. They've never done a big like 24 team tournament. They've never done like a giant stick. They look, they've had like the fucking, the, they've got the home event, the one in the Royal Arena, but like they're not having like the cologne like access. Like, wow, 16,000 people. Like, so, so unfortunately, like it's not that I'm saying they can't do it. It's just that the problem is we already know ESL's done that a billion times. Like you can, you can trust they'll be able to handle it. Even if you don't like PGL, they've run a lot of big daughter events that people don't know. They've run TI if people don't know. So it's just that if you blast, it's you've just never cleared this bar before. So that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm 
I'm not losing my mind because of the RMRs. There's been a few problems, but it'll all be okay. But I am looking for like these issues to see will they manifest in the major because I hope they won't. I hope it is going to be a banger and be the great major that'll end the game because it'll really suck if it's a bad one, unfortunately. I think I've won a downer that'll leave the game on. Exactly. You know? This is uh, this is one of the primary points that had to be made going into it is that the RMR now is such a monumental task. I, you're running this in three different time zones and three different locations. And sure, they did set up one of them, the European uh, the European location in their home turf, home studio. So they were able to they should be able in theory to cut down on errors there because that's home yep. turf. They run events out of there all the time. Uh, they they'll know how it functions. They'll know how it works. So does it come as a surprise that it's in the two satellite locations that the issues are cropping up, i.e. over in Asia and Mongolia and in uh, Mexico, where reportedly you're getting issues like uh, PCs still being connected to the Internet when they shouldn't be, when matches are going live or when players having access to the Internet? I mean, that's already mind blowing that players could have access to the Internet while playing matches because you can get all sorts of information. You can get texts. You can you, all of a sudden somebody could be literally typing to you in Steam saying, hey, by the way, they're going B. I mean. You have all sorts of bullshit like that that could be going on, and uh, that's that is not uh, uh, that that's not that's not a good situation at all. And that was one of the one of the things that we had is uh, Labanji. Uh, he uh, he is his team is actually playing or was playing, uh, took fourth place ultimately in the uh, in the uh, Asians. But um, Twisted Minds Labanji goes on there, and he did this twit longer where he was kind of describing what was going on, and it really does just sound like. You've got a mix. You've just got some inexperienced people who are trying to uh, work together with more experienced people, but there's obviously wires getting crossed, and you've got a lot of people with a lot of stress on them to try and run an event well in a new location that they haven't run events in, and you're going to get some friction. You're going to get some problems, and it seems like that's exactly what we could have expected to happen, and lo and behold, it did happen, and that's exactly you know that's exactly how it's played out here for Blast in the satellite locations where they're they're having issues. It doesn't seem like it's it's ultimately had a, had an impact on um, uh, results. Although before I commit to that, I thought I saw something about about map about, about rounds getting played on a map, and then there being a twenty five hour delay. Or is that was that not in the army? No, no, there was a thing. I think maybe it was that the Americans one. No, I know there was one where it was like, um, oh, I found it for you. I'll, I'll link here. Basically, in the Asia RMR, people had. Um, internet access during the matches, which mean people could have done stuff like, like you say, messaged each other. So there's a competitive integrity problem. And then during some other thing, I think it was maybe during the Americas one, they had like, they, on the Americas one, coaches had malfunctioning headsets as well. No, it, it wasn't so there was that. a bunch it's, of problems. There was one where I've heard it like there, where it's just, it seems like one of the most egregious cases ever. And I was scrolling through and- right, uh, give me the info, what's it about? There was one where apparently one team played out rounds like they played out rounds on a map. They started on a map pocket pick from a team and all of a sudden tech issues to the point where the map gets delayed uh, for out for uh, for 25 hours for like a day to the point where you're playing. Okay. But uh, I mean, there's all of a sudden I get, you know, now, you know, the map for 25 hours. Now you can do your homework for 25 hours. And you can come in prepared, continuing on the same map, not picking a new map, not starting over with a new veto or anything like that continuing with the same map meaning that uh the team that may have had um stuff prepared may have had an element of surprise it's just a completely different situation 24 24 hours later when you know the map i mean it sounds like in general they've had problems across the board so right it also says in the same hitchell tv article that apparently like unregistered coaches were just standing behind fucking people at the america's rmr that's mental in itself yeah, By the way, good. I'll actually bring that back to a smaller issue. When the RMR first began, you might have seen this. 
there was a match where when Narvi's group were playing, Simple went to the wrong area of like the tournament area and he walked into like, I think into the breach or something. He walked into like someone else's team area and just stood behind them while they were actually playing, I think a live game, by the way, similar. Now here's what's mad. I said online, like, you know, like you should almost certainly get a penalty for that, even if it's like an accident. And what people don't get is this similar. This isn't about having a beef against similar. Simple. Could you imagine if I was like the coach of a rival team, by the way, and you're playing a live game and I just walk up and look behind your monitors? Like, that can't be allowed. Like, first of all, there should be security that stops Simple even getting into an area he's not playing in. And then secondly, like, that that's like a violation of the competitive integrity of the match. Like, the reason you have to punish them, I'm not saying you have to, like, ban him. You just give him a warning or something or you say if it happens again, you get, like, a fucking round taken off or something. But in scenarios like that, like, that is sort of amateurish if you blast. Like, how are people who aren't registered getting into these areas? You know what I mean? Like, in that scenario, it's pretty simple. You have a list of six people, five players and a coach, and unless you're one of those six people, security guy doesn't let you through. Because I've always thought, by the way, the stupidest area of esports is definitely security. Because in the modern day, we just leave the security guys with no knowledge of esports, mate. So fans don't know. The reason why you can sneak backstage is you having an RV jersey on and Simple having an RV jersey on. The security guy doesn't know who Simple is. He might think you're Simple and you might get through. That's how that guy famously at that Blast Moscow all those years ago got backstage and was just fucking walking where he wanted. He just pretended he was like part of this crew. So right. stuff like that is mega amateur hour. Because remember again, this is the World Championship, guys. Like even if at the end of the day, most of the matches were still go to the same how would like the fact that someone can say oh what happened in my match was like you know the uh, round got started and the way to do like that sounds terrible that sounds so bad if that because that, if that's their story it's legit i won't comment too much on the labanjica one because my problem with that one is pretty simple similar when someone has lied provably about me as many times as labanjica can i can't trust a word you say mate you your word means nothing oh. to me you know can you give us a uh, give me give a, me give a me classic a... example? Labanchica claims that me and Richard Lewis being mean about him on by the numbers got him fired from that team Imperial before they were Brazilians, obviously. Right? Here's what he didn't bother mentioning, Sembler. One of the reasons he actually got fired from that team is there's a log that was leaked where he just messaged a female staff member saying something mental about like basically just sort of like send me nudes or like can I fuck you or something. And he also, by the way, while he was in the scene as a streamer, did stuff like just openly you can go look this up on Twitter openly tweeted at like Mimi you know Mimi Chella, the sure, Danish sure. girl from G2 Gozen oh he just tweeted at her thing like saying something like maybe she would like to deep throat his dick publicly these are the reasons he was fired, mate. But because he has like a moron fan base, just like all three clicks, Philip, where they believe everything he says, to this day, these people come to me and Richard on Twitter and say, you tried to ruin Lebanjika's career because you did, you were jealous of him and you did it like, and then like, we actually just saw the proof. Like we actually just said this to a woman and they just ignore it, mate. Just about, that doesn't seem like anything to me. Like they just, they, it doesn't go in the brain. <laughs> so all I'm saying is I, I, like, look, I totally can believe that an Asia RMR was fucked up by it fucking Danish production company who doesn't have experience. Yeah, that all makes sense. I'm just saying LeBanjic can fucking go swing. I don't give a fuck, mate. I don't care what he says. <laughs> <laughs> he can say whatever he wants. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm glad to get a little bit of context there. Put some uh, deep law there in it. Good deep like, law. Like go it. look it up. Giving me the, giving me the backstory. Uh, just because, I mean, it's true. You don't want, you want to take that with two grains of salt. I mean, I suppose it's worth mentioning Lobanjica because obviously you got the HLTV article kind of corroborating what he was talking about. You got a, you got a few other sources, right? So <laughs> I threw him in there because it was a twit longer. 
But um, and let's right. be real. Like, if you just cynically know the way esports works, there are lots of stories in history of things like, even when it's a legit company like ESL, the problem is, obviously, you probably yourself don't run everything on the ground if it's like a tournament in fucking Mongolia, similar. The, what you logically do is you white label it out to someone and have tons of stories. But it's where Blair's told me half these stories himself. If you go to the event, and even though it sounds like it's going to be legit, the organizer makes sure all the local teams are in the shittiest hotel and skimps on a bunch of the costs and obviously probably pockets half of it himself. That's just the nature of the fucking esports industry, unfortunately, guys. Yeah, precisely. I mean, that's uh, kind of what's, uh, what's expected. You expect it to get outsourced. And um, the only one that will have been run by Blast full on will have probably been the Copenhagen one. And then they're probably, I yep, mean, of course, like there's a few guys that were there from Blast uh, in, the, um, in the Asia RMR. But still, even then, uh, you're going to have so many moving parts. It's going to be very hard to keep uh, keep uh, control of the situation, especially in new locations where you're not you're not necessarily you've you've probably not even worked there before, so you don't even know what's uh, what's going on. That's the reason why Blast have been able to excel for as long as they have and stood out with their Copenhagen event, for example, in the Royal Arena, is because they freaking ran events out of there. It's like ESL with Katowice or Cologne. They've just run out of they've run events out of there so often now that it's it's just like what autopilot when they get there they know where everything is they know what the the capabilities of the place are they know how much energy they can pull they know everything like that so they already know all the factors and they've got it all ironed out so that it can be a smooth event from start to finish you go into a new area like this you're bound to you're bound to uh, have problems it's just a shame that these problems are cropping up in what could well what is the last csgo major it just blows you know you'd rather them have run maybe some smaller events there uh and you know uh, run some stuff there before, ironed out those things, and then they get the RMR, and then they get the major, and they get to run it all. But it doesn't seem like that was the case. It just seems like Blast were able to pick this major up, and uh, they're running with it. Let's be real, by the way. I don't think Valve gives a flying fuck about how people actually handle majors. You just look historically, hasn't stopped them giving PGL them when they fuck things up. Hasn't stopped them giving people majors when they fuck up. Like, for example, I thought it was outrageous. If people remember, if I am at Rio had originally taken place when it was going to, that was the one where they were originally going to let all those conflicts of interest exist. Like, people own part of a team. They play against in a qualifier for the major. Like, there's so many angles that Valve just doesn't give a fuck about mate so like add the actual only people as far as i can tell valve ever gets mildly mad at is maybe esl that's just because esl keep trying to run the whole scene that's that's about it like they don't seem to really punish anyone for bad majors do they because at the end of the no. day you foot the bill for the majors so it's sort of like whatever caveat emptor right remember you know? the stockholm major as far as pgl was concerned it was a huge success. oh they thought they killed it yeah they were dude they were bragging they were yeah. bragging about that I couldn't they, had, they had the viewership you know, viewership record you know as far as they're concerned yeah. that was a success from start to finish yeah. so you could it could be that you know that's that's how a lot of tos look at it is that okay Absolutely. you're only as good as your last show and so so long as you get it right on the last day yep. when you have all the you know the most viewers tuning in tuning in for the grand finals that's what everybody's going to remember. That was that's the true. ultimate version of what we always told the TOs, wasn't it? You know, if you would go to an event, like, and it was a smaller TO, they'd all be mad depressed on day two because there was a problem, like, you know, a tech problem. I would always just tell them, bro, as long as the semifinals and the final are good, don't worry about it. Everyone will just remember the match was great at the end and we'll all forget about the rest of the tournament. So, like, the real, that you are right. What essentially saved PGL was that that fucking map or the second map of the final between G2 and Na'Vi was such a banger that everyone got lost in the moment and it became, exactly. like, 
bigger than Siesta, didn't it? If that had actually been, like, if you remember, the, the ultimate example of the opposite was obviously Face It London. It was a bad major, and then they had the most boring playoffs ever. Like, everything was a 2-0. So as a result, like, yeah, everyone just remembers the whole thing sucked. Like, you didn't have a good last memory to attach to. So the real problem with this as well is, like, that's also why all these things we're complaining about now don't matter. Like, if at the <laughs> end, the major final is, like, Heroic versus fucking G2, and it's all three maps, and then the third map's from, like, amazing 14-14 game, and then fucking, uh, the joke is, I would say Cadian, but obviously I'll take G2 winning this one. Then JKS wins a 1v2. All everyone remember is how great the last final was. They won't give a shit about what happened in an RMR. Oh, it's only nerds like me will remember that. Exactly. That's the thing. Exactly right. So going forward, that's why we're not going to waste too much time talking about ah, it. It's all good, though. It's worth mentioning. It's totally predictable. And, um, you know, they're going to have to get through it. It's fine. But we're by the time the playoffs roll around, nobody's going to be thinking about these RMRs. And uh, we're going to be thinking about, uh, you know, how it's going to play out with the fact that, uh, you know, VP failed to qualify for the next major defending champions aren't even going to be there. Um, G2 looked a little shaky there for a quick second. Uh, looks like they're kind of bouncing back now. Uh, they're, they're, in a, they're in a position to actually go through. Uh, so they could get in through as uh, it looks like as challengers right now. So that's uh, that's uh, that bodes well for them. I mean, have you been following it all this? Um, have you been following it all on the uh, on the group? Uh, the group B as it's been playing out. Oh. Because the uh, the meme, I mean, it's it's funny because like half of the teams have got well for a second there. It started out where I thought this was going to be pretty promising, i.e., all the blue teams were going to win. But then you had heroic that kind of had to go and screw that up for me. And Forza are also in the mix, so it kind of ruined my 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 formula there that all the blue logos were just going to win and and top the group. But um, <laughs> stupid, I know, but it's fun. Uh, G two, uh, you know, G two Cloud Nine team Vitality have yet to make it. None of them top it. You get teams like Monty who actually make it top three right now. And you got teams like nine that are making it through top of the group, a Polish team, top of the group in group E with the likes of heroic. They go through G2. They beat vitality 2-0. It's just like this dream bad news Eagles run all of a sudden out of nowhere where these guys are going to come in and actually go deep into the, they, they, they qualify as high as they can go in the RMR going into the major mad. It's mad. I haven't actually been able to watch any of those matches, though. That's the issue with the nine one. I haven't been able to catch any of them. Were you able to catch any of those live? I mean, I definitely watched the G2 one. Like, that one, by mm -hmm. the way, even though it's a BO1, guys, they won on Nuke against G2. That's G2's best map, and people don't know. Like, G2 mm -hmm. is probably the best Nuke team in the world. So, like, that one, it's, look, it's 16-14, but still a very legit land win. And then also, if people don't know, what happened was Hades, the former Ents Orpa last year, if you remember, like, Antwerp, he used to be their Orpa. He just had a mad pop-off at this uh, this fucking RMR, mate. He just went absolutely mental. Like, for the whole RMR, he has, like, a 1.31 rating, mate. He has, like, simple numbers so this actually is somewhat reminiscent if you remember what cost g2 last time was acor had the big pop-off you remember on gamer legion he had like a miracle rmr run so i will say like hades was a guy who was being in the semi-final of a major he was like a professional player yeah he had to take a step down but like he obviously had some potential so like, at least that's not complete nobody's like people know there's talent in the polish scene I will say it is crazy the idea that they could 3-0 with the group, though. And then, yeah, another one, obviously, is the Monty one. It's like, who the fuck? Like I say, they have talent in this team. This team, if people don't know it, this team has the SDY guy that was on Na'Vi, has Boros, who was like an up-and-coming talent, has Warro2K, who at one point in time, like two years ago, everyone was telling me he was going to be like, sort of like what Monacy is, like some stud or who'd come into the scene. So, like, these are all real talents. They're not nobodies. Like, these aren't players I've never heard of. But the idea you're like 3-0 in group systems is wild. And just coming out ahead of, like you say vitality g2 and cloud nine are still in the mix these are all teams that should in theory be in with a chance to win the major they haven't even got through yet so it's just gonna be i just hate this whole format mate i think it's just fucking blows so whatever <laughs>
It's just it's just watching these best of ones. Like I I have watched I watched uh, Vitality versus Astralis and Vitality versus Nip, and both of those were just <laughs> freaking uh, just roller coasters because you just I mean Vitality you just like you're going sixteen fourteen against Astralis, dude. Like what is going on here? And then you run it back to win against Nip as well sixteen thirteen. Like you can't. It's they're so frustrating to watch on. In the in these tournaments, Vitality, because it feels like with with the kind of talent that they have on that team, i.e. Zaiwu, uh, that they should just be smashing through everybody, and yet they keep playing these teams close, and they just barely keep eking it through. And right now, they're tied up. As we record this, they're tied up one to one with Big, freaking Big. It's like they should be just demolishing Big and moving on. Okay, they actually won. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's see, sixteen nine, sixteen seven. Well, okay, fair enough. They did demolish Big, and they got the job done. All right, I take it back. They did what they needed to do. Okay, good on them. Because uh, as we're recording this right now, it looks like that literally just finished up. So Vitality, uh, sixteen nine, sixteen seven on the last two maps. Okay, good, fair enough. They got the job done. They did what they were supposed to do. Zaiwu went uh, plus twenty seven, one point three seven rating. So you know, there you go. It's nice when you got Zaiwu on the team. So that shouldn't should be take that though. That's the problem with your vitality is like he has to basically be the best player in the world for you to have a chance to win some of these games. Like that's that's too much to ask. It is the then, it is this the... team isn't going to win the major, I'll tell you right now. Like no, vitality, no, no. look, they have a dark horse chance, not least because of Zaiwu, but if you just look at the way they play as a team, like he basically is great every single game. The problem is the others just don't turn up or they make like dodgy ass fucking calls from Apex. He himself feeds off the games. Debris being fucking bad basically the whole year. Like they have a whole bunch of problems. Like, the real joke of it all is the Spinx guy actually did eventually sort of come around and level his game out and get good. It's just, it hasn't, it hasn't made them win games. Like Vitality's just a mess, mate. What a mess of a team. They, it's I never um, really get on board with Vitality either in the playoff matches just because it feels like Zywu does drop off a bit in terms of performance like he will have maps where he disappears in playoffs so in the groups fine he he delivers these kinds of numbers it's wild uh early playoff stages perhaps but like the deeper they get into a tournament i feel like that's where you start to see oh, again well i mean you're gonna I mean, it's understandable in theory everyone for every single match no, so no. I mean, enough what people don't realize is, in theory, it's actually a universal rule. Even great players get a little bit worse when it's a final or a big pressure match or a major. That's actually why, by the way, when you are the rare player like a simple, where if you ever go look at their major stats, it's like even on the majors they didn't do that well at as a team, they still just smash the stats. Like, that's how you know you are superhuman, unfortunately. Because, like, for example, even people I really reveal, like shocks, even their numbers go way down at the majors, mate. Like, it's because think of the pressure on you. Like, you know in your mind, this is this is really like the big moment that it counts for like yeah it was cool you won that pro league a few months ago or you had like a blast you won but like the major is a different deal completely you can see you think g2 are uh are getting, like i mean this is i guess one of the things where going into it uh now that phase phase the question is whether or not they're going to be able to survive it's one team coming out of that last chance uh playoff bracket and so depending on who winds up down there with them they could have their work cut out for them but the other side of it, I mean, obviously the big storyline going into this is got to be Nico and his chance to win a major before a CSGO major before that's it. The door closes. I mean, Zywu, Zywu hasn't been around as long as Nico, so I don't really care as much. No, that no, he gets a break. Storyline. And also, but, he had all the online era that ruined a lot of his early prime. So, yeah, I yeah. agree. The problem is, it's Nico. The problem with this is, let's be real. Nico's like Carrigan. He already should have had his major years ago. So, the real problem is, it's not even that you just haven't won one. It's like if you leave with none at all, that'll always be remembered. Like, oh, you let them, that, well, I would go. Because remember, it's true. If Carrigan never had won another major since, 
forever he would be haunted by the fucking Cloud9 game. Well, if you're right. Nico, you've had two of those motherfuckers. You had that one and you had the Harvey one where you thought you could come back into it. So, yeah, that, that's a big deal. The problem with that is I don't really think, like, it's not a movie. If G2 wins, they'll actually have to just be really good. Just because, like, the story is that Nico didn't win, that alone won't be enough. Like, they're going to actually need to be really fucking good to win this major. Do you think, I mean, uh, do you think that there's enough about... Like, do you think that there's enough firepower between Monacy and uh, Nico to get it done? Because if anything, I, I feel like odds. I think Monacy has done really well. He's shown that he's capable of playing in playoff brackets in, in front of crowds. He's shown that he can actually play well. Hunter seems to step up his level whenever he gets onto a playoff stage. He seems to, you know, he vibes with the crowd. He's uh, he's there popping off. He seems to get to hit a different gear when he gets up there, not really be affected by the pressure. And Nico has shown that he can pop off as well. I mean, so if anything, if you're thinking about it on paper and a little bit throughout the history of this team now, you should be thinking, okay, they actually do have all the tools necessary to to win the For damn sure. thing now. It, yeah. it, I mean, who's who's really standing in their way? That's a real threat. I mean, oh, Phaser's a little shaky here. Yeah. Uh, who who have we got other? than I mean, that? as you say, the the key thing is Phaser might eliminate themselves before they even get to play him. And also, spoiler: G two actually directly did very well against Phaser. It's even one of the big teams they seem to beat every time. So that one's fine. Obviously, the main ones are like heroic. Rourke has a brilliant style. I think they will go very deep in this major. I think they'll at least be a playoff team. The other ones I would say would be, if they can get there, I still think Cloud9 should be dangerous. Like, you play that team in a quarterfinal, they could fuck around and beat you. Um, then it depends, the problem is, on recent form. Like, for example, yeah, Ents looked awesome at Pro League. Are they going to be good now? Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck? Well, maybe. Maybe they can make a miracle run. Oh, maybe I. they could be in the semis or something. It could be, you know. They're still alive. It's going to come down to who winds up down there in the two-two uh, bracket with them, uh, out of this, uh, out of these teams that are still in the mix. Because uh, you, I mean, you could still go if you're Ents, you could still be going up against Cloud Nine. Uh, you're not going up against Vitality anymore. Vitality are through, but uh, G Two and Cloud Nine are playing right now. And they're tied up. Uh, they're, I mean, they're not tied up. G Two are in the lead over Cloud Nine, one map to zero. So you could be winding up going up against Cloud Nine. That is not going to be a fun situation to be in. Um, you could, in theory, I suppose, be going up against NIP. Uh, there's, there's like, there's some teams that could be really spicy here, if, depending on who you, uh, who you wind up against. This is, this is, it's not out of the woods yet for Ents, even though I always root for Ents because they are one of my favorite organizations in esports. Just hands down, always want to see them do well, um, for the sake of the players and for the sake of the org. Uh, that's, a, that's a team. Like again, that is a team that has done it right in the sense of just slowly building up over the years a stable business without taking on crazy amounts of VC and you know falling for the same thing that all other that all all the other major teams seem to have done. Okay, so um let's see here. As far as uh as far as um the uh we can actually go ahead and actually talk a little bit about uh uh, they're back onto uh, Group A because uh, there was a one more that I wanted to talk about, which was uh, just to touch on because it's pretty cool. Uh, out of nowhere, Apex is coming into the mix and actually showing that they are uh, that they're capable. And there's a bit of a, a redemption arc here for Nock. You know, Nock Jacob is cool. I mean, this is uh, Stiko. I mean, these are guys that have been around for a bit. Nock, you know, we all know the storyline that happened with Nock, where it felt like you know he was getting that experience, all of that, and then you know, Device comes into NIP, replaces him on the team. Are you really going to feel salty about it? You're getting replaced by device. It's a hard, you know, it's a hard situation to find yourself in, but you got to pat yourself on the back and keep moving. And well, it seems like after a, a period where he's been out in the wild, uh, he, he's actually coming back into the mix and they managed to qualify and actually get through 
in the uh, challengers bracket. So by the way, this is how my mind just that. works differently to other people similar. Someone's tried I don't know if you noticed this, but once Astralis failed to qualify for this major, everyone began trying to find the iconic picture of device. Because you remember at the Stockholm major, they had that picture of him when he was stood like off to one side. And then there was the one afterwards at the fall finals and blast where it was like him looking and Zonic was in the background and they were trying to make like a like a fucking evocative picture to show what was going on. Everyone's been trying to do that with Device because he didn't qualify for this last major, right? But the problem with it is, if you look at the picture they've all taken, it's this one of him just sort of sitting like this, looking at a wall with like the, you know, the wall behind the teams when they put uh, all the sponsors one. on. Do they keep getting, they keep getting these great pictures with Device. That yeah, last the problem one with this one is they forced this one. Like that one, doesn't, that's, that's just him sitting in a chair. You can't really know what he's thinking. They're trying to force it like he's, you know, reflect on his whole career. But I did just see that and no one else thought this, but because on the wall, the actual sponsors assembler for real, one of them is absolute. And I was just thinking, well, I, if I were him, I'd be looking at that thing and yeah, Swedish vodka, that got me into trouble too. <laughs> <laughs> that might be something to reflect on, indeed. No, so to bring it back, because obviously Nork was the guy who got, as you say, got sort of fucked by device, just being available. Like I've always said, yeah. that's an example. It doesn't happen very often in esports, but every now and then, you actually did nothing wrong. It's just that so essentially your org just has a chance to get someone like super famous. Like you can't say no to that deal. Like I'm so, I, even though I agree it's harsh for Nork, I would make that deal in an instant. If you ask me, right, do you want to swap Nork for device? Well, obviously. It doesn't matter how I feel about that. Nork. The joke is, if I was Nork's dad, I'd do that. I go, look, son, I'll still get in the other team, but I've got to have this device, fella, though. He's way better than you. Like, you can't hate on that. But I agree. The thing with the Apex team, people will forget this was the team that Shocks was on at the end of last year. Yes, they exactly. already had this whole bunch of talent where, like, as you say, you run down the names, it's not like they have one name. First of all, these names, like if people don't know, Jacob and Sticko had chances to be on other big name teams recently the last few years. They chose not to. These are the teams that they've actually wanted to play with. And then if people don't know, some of the other players, like that JL guy, he was a guy where when he was at tier two, loads of coaches told me he's a really skilled player. He's going to be a way bigger name than people think. Obviously, um, you have Cuban as your coach as well. Mega thing. veteran yeah, coach. So, like, this isn't a bad squad at all. Again, it doesn't surprise me they were able to sneak in. Like, think of the experience level of some of these players. I'm just, uh, you know, because, I mean, what, the, how long ago now, the Mad Lions project that Cuban was talking about where he really wanted to take it, you know, make it as professional as possible and really, you know, form the talent and really form, like, work on build, building pro players with a professional environment and all that sort of thing. Like, he really, you know, poured it on. I remember listening to interviews with him back when he was on Mad Lions when they were getting that project off the ground. And it feels like they never really got that project off the ground for whatever reason it didn't pan out. So I'm happy to see him here on Apex uh, getting another crack at it as coach and you know, you really do hope that to, to see this kind of team do well, because again, I don't know if that, you know, if you're, if you're just always rooting for the underdog or not, but in this sort of scenario, it is kind of the underdog sort of situation where it'd be cool to see them go deep and have a bit of a, a bad news Eagles storyline where it's like, yeah, it's a guy, it's a, you know, bad news Eagles are coming out of nowhere, but they're still on their own. They don't have a major org, you know, backing them. It's, it's just them surviving off of sticker money. You know, Apex can't have uh, the deepest pockets either. So for them to get in there and get that sticker money, that's going to make a big difference for these players, I think. So it's a pretty cool opportunity to see that they that they actually managed to pull it off. And they managed to, you know, I mean, they, they managed to beat teams that in theory they should be beating, right? That is right around them. Uh, they lose to FaZe. They lose to Bad News Eagles. But they beat Gamer Legion. They beat Sprout. And they beat Bait. Like, these are teams that if you're going to make it, you have to beat. And sure enough, in the crunch, they did it. Two O's as well in, the, in both of their best of threes. So good on them. You know, really cool to see 
That's and a, that's I'll, I'll just throw this in there. If people don't know, Sprout and Bath were two teams that other analysts I know actually all thought had a good chance to make it through. We're going to get all the rest of it. So, like, it's not like they beat nobody's. These were actually teams. Most people wouldn't have picked the Apex to get out. No, that's the thing. No, no, you, you, I mean, dude, if you've got, you, you're swapping Apex and Virtus Pro right off the bat without even thinking about it. You know, if, if you're coming into this thinking, if you're coming into this tournament just looking at the teams, you're, you're, you're not seeing Virtus Pro get eliminated 13th in the group and Apex go through sixth. That's not how. You know, the saddest thing about that to me it isn't just the idea that, like, if people don't know, that is the first time ever that the world champion isn't at the next major. But that's also for a reason that people don't know. I pointed this out on Twitter. This is only the third time that was ever possible, guys. If you won the last majors before the last two, you automatically qualify for the next one because you were top eight. So, like, that, to be fair, there's a lot of other teams in history might have failed like that otherwise, but they didn't even have the chance to. But the reason it really sucks that Virtus Pro didn't make it is because at least the old Virtus Pro lineup that won the major was famously really hard to eliminate. Like, they haven't been the last few months, sadly. That's also something else that completely fell off a cliff, mate. They went, when they won the major, from being probably the hardest team in the game to beat because of that annoying style, to, like, they do the annoying style, but it just sometimes doesn't work, mate. They just, just lose the game straight up. Like, they've actually lost some of the magic. This is why, actually, in some ways, the players I have the most respect for are the ones with the longevity in the game. Because, mate, I know this sounds whack to people, but actually, it's not that impressive to me if you're, like, amazing for two years you win a major or two and then you shit for five years i'm more yeah. impressed by like carrigan where you're just really good for like seven years and you win a major like you know what i mean like have some self-respect yourself yeah to be able to adjust to great well, it's not just about being good change. once exactly yes exactly the economy is going to change the op is going to change you're going to have major changes to guns you're going to have all sorts of stuff that's going to come constantly and yeah you, you know some players they just haven't been able to adapt they never we never really saw them at that same level again yep. they took that hit and then they weren't able to recover jw is one i mean scream when the adad spam nerf happened he he got hit hard i mean there's certain players where you think like you can really remember a hard drop oh, if a change sure. got made so the fact that you still have some of these guys running around i mean granted kenny s is back in the mix now on falcons but like the, f the fact that you still have guys who have been operating in tier one for years on end yeah no you have to have nothing but respect for players of that caliber it is always so cool to see so i mean it's not it's not a total knock on vp They're, they are major champs and some of them, you know, it's not like they, you know, some of these guys have been going for a while as well, but you do hope to see that they're just going to bounce back. And I mean, did you see that news that actually just broke right before we went live at the show where uh, VP, apparently they pulled out of Rio. So they're just like, yeah, we're, you know, for the sake of the players, we're going to focus on boot camping and, you know, extreme preparation or something like that, whatever. That I mean, here's saying. the joke, some of the obvious joke, which can lead into another piece of news is, well, the reason they'd have to pull out is. Who knows who the fucking five players are, right? Probably they don't. Because, <laughs> by the way, that whole thing also is so fucking stupid. Like, I'm, I don't have a problem with the argument. Like, like, I don't care about the whole thing of, like, were they owned by Russians or not? Like, as far as I know, they, was, they were at least officially were sold to an Armenian company. So it's not about that anymore. But this whole story where if people don't know, when they won the major, one of the first things all the real analysts like me said was, like, first of all, how the fuck has Norbert won a major? And then two, why was he even there? Like, I'm sorry, even though he won the world championship, I don't even really remember him doing that much in the matches, you know? Like, he sort of was a bit invisible. So to me, he was always the obvious person he replaced. And actually, when they made that replacement, announcement dude i was really hyped because if you saw the initial tournament they played with him the chiron guy hit the ground running and suddenly yeah, yeah. you were like holy shit the actual firepower of this team's crazy like look at them they have the original three of jim flit and fame and then now they're gonna add the chiron guy instead of like in theory empty seat 
um, Norbert. That sounded on paper amazing, but unfortunately, something about it, yeah, the team's just collapsed in on itself. And this whole story where people don't know, at the RMR, when they lost the first two games, so they know they're down 0-2 and they have to do a reverse sweep, instead of just saying some of the obvious truth, which is, look, for whatever reason, you don't have to say the reason, you can just say it's not working out with Chiron, and we've decided to fly Norbert in because we're going to try and save the qualification. Like, by the way, I'll give people an even example of something like this in history. Famously, the reason Carrigan got kicked from FaZe was at that face it major. They went 0-2 and Nico basically said, right, I'm I jailing from now on. And then from then on, that was part of the transition that eventually got Carrigan kicked a few months later. Like, it's not like it's never happened before and I don't even blame the team. Yeah, you're in deep shit. You're down 0-2 as world champs. The it's problem they there. had was the way they presented it, similar. Like, they obviously lied. The reason it's obvious they lied is they claimed that the Chiron guy didn't have, not only had, didn't have a visa, but didn't have a visa until the end of the event. And they tried to make it sound, even though this beggars belief that like this was already planned. And I can't tell if they were trying to imply they just thought they'd three zero, so it wouldn't matter. But the implication was like, yeah, we always would have had to like leave him. Now, one, that doesn't make any sense. Like as far as I know, I believe the Chiron guy even has some like roots in Germany, which I mean, he can just like live in the Schengen yeah, area, yeah, probably for his passport. Exactly. So I don't think he'd need a visa anyway to Copenhagen. Oh, you're in Schengen. But, you're good. But even if he did, there's no way you arranged for the last ever major qualifier that you don't have a player with his visa. Like, spoiler, that's not how visas work, guys. You, you plan in advance when they are for and how long they last for, and you know all these things going into it. And then secondly, obviously what's absolutely fucked them is that not only have they now done this thing where Simple's leaked the fact that he apparently talked to Chiron and Chiron just told him it's the org, choosing it, not the fact that he's, like, got a visa issue. But the other thing is, when they were bringing in Norbert, Stupid Jim did a vlog where he explains that, like, if he could go back in time, it was a mistake to ever sign the Chiron guy and remove Norbert. Well, why would you be saying that if it's not because Chiron's playing bad, but he just doesn't have a visa? Because remember, what you always have to ask, and this is what no one does in esports when they give, like, a shitty alibi or story. They never think, like, if I actually did do that, what would my actual, like, premise be? And if the premise here is you're only removing Chiron because of visa issues, then everything you should be saying in all associated material is we're really happy Chiron saying this is the real lineup thanks to Norbert for standing in short to, you know he's not a real member though like they haven't done that in fact as far as we can tell aside from the initial lie about the visa it just looks like they didn't like outworked with Chiron it's maybe even implied if you read between the lines maybe you know there was like some conflict within the team and cause the Norbert guy actually it sounds like this was his positive cause he maybe didn't have any issues in the team he's just a guy who just sat there and did his job they want him back because a classic move you'll know from esports pros from time immemorial it's it's why mm -hmm. they always make those last dance lineups. They always, in their brain, similar, think back. There's actually a famous, like, that, that Toynbee guy had this concept about civilizations, that when you get into trouble, what you do is you think back to the last time things were really good, and you try and recreate that. You have, like, a renaissance, or you bring mm -hmm. back some archaic concept. That's what teams do all the time, mate. It's why what they do is the second they get in trouble, they do, like, Shocks brings in Smiths, and then fucking Fallen brings in some old Brazilian, you know, they all do the same shit, mate. They just bring back an old player from when it worked well. So to me, I actually think this is a pretty open shut case. I think Virtus Pro was just in trouble. They've had a bad few months. They thought, let's just make the lineup that won the major. Essentially, let's give the team that won the last major the chance to qualify for this one. I don't hate that. I just think the way that they handled it was so silly. And the, the fact that this has spawned into some big drama now is it's so unnecessary, isn't it? So stupid. Well, wasn't Norbert listed as a, as a sub to begin with? 
I mean, I assume you would anyway, because you can just list a six person, can't you? So why exactly. would you at that point in time, if you know what I so, mean? So, I mean, if we're going to operate in a space where we can have six-man rosters, and, I mean, usually how it goes is that, you know, you have your five-man. But, I mean, if you if, if you have six-man rosters, what's the deal? It's with, not a big uh, deal to it out? Like, I don't it's just get, the I mean, dishonesty is the problem, isn't it? That's, that is it. It's really just the dishonesty. The the I mean, it feels unprofessional. Uh, how this was handled, right? You would think that they would be very consistent with how they're communicating, but you've got the org saying one thing, you got players saying another thing, you got simple leaking shit on the other side of things. You know, it's just it's all over the place, and um, that's that that's what leads to the blowback. That's what leads to the vet to the to the you know that's what leads to the criticism uh, from everybody. Also, uh, the other one that was really weird is not allowing people to ask questions on broadcast. Like that's that's oh, the crazy yes. Thing. Cause you saw that where yes. a few of the guys were, you know, they're, you know, you have people um, asking, you know, it's like, how, how are you not asking the players about this player? You know, this, this, this roster change. And then apparently uh, word came down that Virtus pro specifically said, do not ask about the roster change. Think and about what that implies. Thing, though, dude. Talent complied. No, but think about what that implies as well. No, that doesn't surprise me at all. The idea of talent and TOs don't have any backbone, Sam. Like, I think you're fully aware of that, mate. You were there for like 10 years. They're all fucking cowards and pussies. Yeah, no. Like, the spoiler is, like, the same people who you all think as fans are really brave on Twitter, they don't give any of their green room opinions. Their opinions are sick in the green room. They just give you some garbage. Like, I guess Vitality did deserve to win the third map. Like, in the green room, they're like, fire this guy, fire that guy. They're all trash. Like, so you never get that. But no, the bigger issue for me is the fact that, like, Again, if you're Virtus Pro, think through the alibi, you moron. Your story is that he just has visa problems. So you know what happens when someone asks about Chiron? You just go, his visa ran out. Problem yeah, solved. Visa problems. Here's the go. problem. What you've given away there, Virtus Pro, is that you think of your players as idiot cattle that you can't trust to keep up the facade that it's the visa. And so you're scared someone will ask like Jim and he might actually tell us the truth. He might actually fuck up and go, well, you know, it wasn't really working out with Chiron. You know, his role was a bit, oh shit, I meant the visa. Like that's what you, that's why you've tried to veto asking questions. Yeah. And no, the idea that Tala wouldn't do it, sadly, that's just the world we live in, in it. Like if people don't know, I'll just give you a quick example now. Let's be real. There's a world I might never work another line in CSGO again. I'll tell you one moment right now that if you can remember you will miss this part of my game completely does anyone remember the blast right before we went online well we had that blast in early 2020 where there was that group where navi was like no one knew where they were at in the team and they beat astralis the, the prime astralis and then they beat vitality as well and i did that interview with simple where i just say to simple at the beginning of the interview i just go come on man everyone's saying zero's the best because he just won the fucking player of the year like you don't think he's better than you and he just straight up says no of course i don't you will never see that fucking interview. Like, here's the here's the irony of all ironies. Do you know the only person in CSGO who would actually do an interview like that? It's Frankie, and you all fucking hate her for exactly that. Meanwhile, by the way, that's exactly what you want someone to ask simple in that scenario. But the sad thing is, talent's the other way, mate. They're more like, got to make the player comfortable all the time. Got to, they act like they're his bloody agent or his PR agent. Like, you're supposed to be all there right. to try and provoke this guy, like actually get to the bottom of something, find out what he thinks of something, get a cool answer. It's why that's the one area. This is the irony. The one area I have no problem with Frankie is that style of interview. And actually, it's really good. Like, if you ever see when she goes and does it on LEC, they all cry about that, by the way. Like, oh, she's being mean no what she does is she actually makes you answer the question so for example in the lec she went and she asked this guy who's like a legendary player yankos the jungler but he now plays for like a bad team basically and he's way better than his teammates so she's just essentially asking like how do you sort of defend your teammates like aren't they bad and everyone's all uncomfortable it's like that's what you want to be him to ask look he's a big boy he can answer the question but you want the question to be fire you want to give them the chance to ask answer something amazing so no that's the area where 
Just wait for this future world, boys. It's bad enough when talent has, like, a player join the bloody broadcast. They're all just fucking... Like, the joke is, when a player joins a broadcast with some of these modern analysts, one of them may as well just step off camera and start getting a big fucking leaf and just doing this near him. And then the other one's just, like, fucking rubbing his feet, like, you all right there? Yeah, everything you say is brilliant. Yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah. It's like, give me some fucking takes, boys. Give me some takes. No, there are none. There are none. Well, because everybody wants to be buddy buddy, and there, there's and no. And they get hired and all that crap, you know. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, remember, I used to operate the opposite you... game, Sam. Like, everyone else was trying to do a good job to get hired. I was yeah. trying to make myself so intolerable. If you don't hire me, I ruin your whole event. So. But that <laughs> I, I <laughs> used to be opposite dynamic, you know. Precedent, though, because remember, you getting yeeted off the blast broadcast sent a pretty clear message to everybody out there that hey, these tos they'll cave if a team puts oh, yeah. pressure on them. They'll yep. cave and they'll fire you instead of actually telling the team to go fuck off that it's part of the show or a part of the broadcast. They'll fire you before they do that, and so. You you did you were kind of the canary in the coal mine. So again, right. anybody who's left working a broadcast today, you can't expect them to have any kind of uh, no no. It's just the world of, we live in now, mate. Ability to to, to push back. If They've anything, you have to think of it this way, mate. I'm just actually grateful we had that amazing sort of 10-year span where we could do our own thing on broadcast. Like, it's actually quite logical if you look how the rest of esports is. It was never going to last forever. Like, even if, like, even if you went other routes, similar. like, imagine we'd gone the TV route. Like, imagine E-League had become a massive thing. Well, we all saw an E-League couldn't have been as spicy if people don't know. We definitely paired it back on that show. So, oh, yeah, no, like, we to me, weird. this was always just a beautiful, like, this was like the Wild West. It was like we had a little frontier moment that was cool. But now the, the joke is now it's like the 21st century and everything's just fucking every every part of america is just a an apple greens like mm. walgreens next to an applebee's next to a fucking cvs like that's the analogy in esports now it's just all corporate it's over yes. it's over guys and that's why you know you can have uh it can it can uh it, there was the, that element of uh, at the beginning of i mean i think this kind of spans out to the beginning of the internet in general though if you spent your time on the internet back then it was free everywhere youtube all oh, of that gosh. there was no hate speech or you know like banning oh, people no. for saying something you don't like or sharing an opinion you don't like or any of that sort of shit there's anything goes everywhere and so you really did feel free and it felt counterculture to be a part of it so not only were you gaming because you were gaming because you were an introvert just you know you were you were kind of looking for escape uh you, you had the whole internet as well it was just free and uh, yeah, slowly but surely, just like how it worked in esports, you know, slow, slowly but surely, uh, the big money comes in. And with the big money, then you get all the grifters that come in that have to establish the rules and have to make things safe and have to make things safe for investors and safe for sponsors and safe for all. And then it just completely, and then it just becomes mainstream. And it's not, it's not at all uh, what it was to begin with. And the thing is, is that for people who arrive now, they'll never know. They will never know what it was that got that 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 it was to begin with. They 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 have no concept. They oh, have no. no way to know because the internet is getting scrubbed. So you won't even be able to go back unless you know where to look. You won't even be able to go back to see what it was, uh, back uh, even just a few years ago. So you will not know what has been um, what has been taken from you. You will not know, and uh, and you won't know about esports as well. You won't uh, you won't uh, you know you won't get those kinds of moments. And you know, fine, fair enough. It is what it is. It's the it's the way things go, and so obviously we'll see how things continue. Um, but as far as uh, as far as this group is concerned, I mean, it's still mind blowing. It's just still mind blowing to think that Virtus Pro haven't been able to make it through. It's uh, it's cool to see. I mean, there's some cool stories as well going into it. Bad News Eagles into the breach. Fnatic Apex team. I mean, Game Religion. This is going to be a pretty cool major. Now it's a question. You know, you're just you're just hoping that Phase will survive this bracket. Um, as far as the other group is concerned. Um, I do have to get your opinion on this one because again, dude, Nip just once again kind of leaving you wondering where where is this team? What what is going on with this team? Uh, cuz when I watched them play against um Vitality, 
on Vertigo. It was like what is like getting teeth pulled. It was such a painful match to watch. Just nobody really is seeming to be able to get anything going. Who was showing up? Is it you know? Is it Alexi B who's the top fragger on this team all of a sudden? Like what is going on here? It still feels like Nipper kind of out in the wind trying to figure out what it is that they need to be doing to win matches. I mean, granted, they got it done against Estrella, so fair enough. There's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel there after two losses in best of ones against Vitality and Forza. They actually managed to keep their tournament hopes alive by eliminating Astralis. So that's, like we pointed out earlier, that's Device gone, not being able to make this uh, this major. That's also Blame F not going to be able to see a major in CSGO, which is also mind-blowing in its own right. But that does mean that Nip stay alive in this. So what do you think about Nip right now? What's their shape? Because, I mean, it feels like they're still trying to figure out what, what it is that actually is supposed to make this team work. The problem with this team, basically, is like a part of what made it exciting was on paper it looks like a really interesting roster. But aside from, like, they've done all right at this RMR so far, obviously still yet to qualify as of the time of recording. But it just has never worked like you thought it would. Like, literally, when you look at all these names... There's not a single name aside from Alexi B that you can just rely on. And that's just because he's the IGL. Like, obviously, when you look at the roster on paper, first things first, I want Config as my star. Mega skilled player, right? It's taken him ages to bed in with this team. He actually hasn't looked that good in Nip generally. Like, he was all right at this tournament. He had some good games, but then again, we're playing lesser opposition. Obviously, people will know. Broland sort of popped off at this RMR, but he's been mad underwhelming since Alexi B came. Head trick. I mean, people know the story. I've said it a million times where, like, he sort of has chosen to be an AWPA while coming into tier one, which is like, what? But that the problem with the head trick one is it sort of works half the time. I'd say he's more like a coin flip. Sometimes it looks good. Sometimes it looks a bit like, is he actually an AWPA? And then the Res one, Res just looks lost in this lineup. So the problem I have is I actually feel like the reason I haven't totally abandoned Hope and Nip, aside from the fact that I believe in the in-game leader, I think that's a big piece, is I still feel like with the names you have on paper, dude, even just like one roster move could fix this whole thing. And by the way, I have heard behind the scenes that there is a very real world where Hampus will come back at some point, I'm assuming now for CS2, and he'll just replace one of these names. It just depends who will he replace. Like, will it be Res? Will it be Brolan? Who knows? because it's it's assumed it's not Convict because he obviously signed the contract most recently. So I, on the one hand, I do think, Nip, this lineup right now, if you put them in the server, they're not a very good team. They're very hit and miss. But I also feel like there's so many ways I feel like you could reformulate like most of the players in this team and make a very good lineup. Mm -hmm. They're not that far, I don't think. But I agree. If you, if you pick a random game, they'll have some screamers, mate. They have some really bad games. It's it's just uh I still like I'm getting flashbacks uh, just thinking about it again the vitality nip one where I'm just like shouting at my screen and you know, it's like do something guys what the hell's happening here that match was so painful so I mean I, it's like you say you've got as soon as they add config into this team you're thinking holy shit okay actually like now they've got some serious firepower on here config Brolon, res like you should be thinking like okay then now we're cooking with gas. And uh, and head trick as well. Although head trick again, you know, it seems like he's he's having a little bit of a slower pace to kind of to kind of find his form. Uh, it doesn't quite seem like um, he's. Um... What fucks him is this, mate. It's just that we know the finances and we know it costs a lot of money to sign him. If 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 this was an academy player like for the Nip Academy, you'd give him a lot more time. You know, like it's only been a few months. It's like what I said about sure. Monacy when he first joined. I didn't expect him to just rock up to Kadavitsa for his first big LAN and just drop like plus one, three, zero. No, of course not. But the problem is they did sign Hedrick as though he was the next Monacy. So essentially like the business side of it necessitates it's got to work sooner or later, you know. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the. I mean, I'm looking at his stats now. They're not and, terrible, uh, mate. They're just a bit whatever. Terrible. He's you got know, a one point one zero. 
He's like I say, he has, he has a good map here and then, and he has a map that's not that good. And so it's kind of, that's why I say, I always think like you have to look on different levels. Like what you have to do is this, you have to ask for Nip, is Hedrick good enough? For Hedrick himself, he's doing all right. Like you say, he's tracking, you know, he's, he's playing his first proper tier one. He's in an international squad. He's from Ukraine, remember guys? He's not some fucking like guy from like, who like Balkan guy who's super fluent in English. Like he's working into a totally different cultured lineup. So I don't, I don't hate on his game. It's just, it's not enough for Nip at the moment. And quite frankly, as you say, it's the other also that sock for nip like they're, they're having a hard like the, the problem problem they have is as much as it sucks to have like zewu go ham every game if you're the igl that's a nice piece like you got your best player is reliable he always plays this way you can do things with the rest of the team if you're in nip i don't even know what you're doing if you're lexi b i bet you just reformulate in every series mate i bet you're just trying new things all the time who the fuck knows <laughs> especially because you're left wondering i mean what kind of uh, support does he have to work with right now? Is it still threat? Who's providing uh, strategic uh, influence on the team? DJL, how is he? What is he slotting in as uh, with uh, with his coach role? How much leeway does Alexi B have to call, or is there is there others that are getting involved on it? it feels like there's some uh, there are some mysteries around it uh, that could be uh, cleared up. We could be seeing a little bit more about how the team runs. But um, I mean, you feel like with the kind of plays that they, that Nip have made, and it, I mean, if anything, you know, you can't you can't say that you got to give them credit, right? When opportunities have presented themselves to get big names, they have pulled the trigger. I mean, Device, obviously the big one, uh, Config, they snapped him up as soon as it was possible. Head trick, you know, they're trying to make plays here. It's not like it's a team that's kind of, you know, like a somnambulist kind of stumbling through uh, here and there. No, they are they are actually trying to keep uh, keep um, their hand on it, and they are actually willing to to make it. Um, now, now we just need to see the results. Now we just need to see them actually, you know, dominate the rest of this group. They have one more best of three. We'll see who they go up against and they need to just dominate whoever it is that they run into and, and qualify and get through into this major. So very curious to see how that pans out for them. It just means that uh, it's going to be tough because I mean, we're going to come down to the wire and you're going to wind up with teams like uh, cloud nine, potentially. I mean, depending on how this goes against, uh, let me just double check again. Uh, it's looking good for G2 to actually 2-0 here. Um, so, you know, you could be running into Cloud9. Uh, that's not going to be uh, pleasant. You could be running into teams uh, like Forza, who are clearly a threat. Although Forza, they've played against each other already, so I don't think that they would wind up in an elimination match against one another. But there's also ends that you have to worry about. I mean, it, it, you're going to have to deal with some teams that have got some firepower, so it's going to be really interesting to see how, uh, how it pans out here for uh, Nip. I ha old habits die hard. I almost said, you know, for the Swedes, but... Uh, yeah, those days, uh, not the case. Not the case anymore. Uh, Swedish organization. Swedish organization, guys. Um, I mean, by the way, just as a random piece of trivia, because a lot of people won't know this, because Finland obviously literally was once upon a time like part of Sweden Empire or whatever, even though they have that whole history with the Russians afterwards. If people don't know, there are certain areas in Finland. It's just that Alexi B isn't from one of these areas. There are areas right along the border where some people just speak Swedish or there's Finns that know Swedish. So the stupid thing is, I would imagine from knowing Lopez and Nato and all the people I know from Finland, I would imagine Alexi B in school did Swedish and can speak like a very, very basic level of fluency. The problem is, it just wouldn't make sense to be the IGL and communicate in a language you're not that fluent in, would it? So on that one, I can see why they did just go international. Like, I think that would have been a waste of time to like try and make him speak Swedish as it were. Like, well, I don't think that ever was a viable proposition. Okay, so what I think we can do here, so what I wanted to do with this episode now, it's like the first episode that we're coming back. We have so many questions, like a backlog of oh, questions. Sure. 
from uh, from uh, from people who have been supporting the show. So big th- shout out to everybody who's been supporting Last Free Nation. And um, it is worth mentioning, of course, uh, that we have these questions. And there's also a way to support us. It's by going to the Discord uh, server. And if you su- subscribe there on the Discord server, that directly supports us here with the shows that, that are on the network. And um, you also get to ask questions for the show each week. And because we've been, you know, on and off for a while now uh, with the show, we're not as uh, we're not every week. There's been a few uh, questions that kind of backed up here. So I reckon what we could do is actually spend the remainder of the show just answering questions and kind of getting caught up on uh, on some of this. And that way, we'll have a bit of a fresh start going forward with the next All show. Right. So let's uh, let's just get right into it. Asada, where I feel like this is something that we've kind of touched on. Uh, where does Kenny S's prime rank among other pros in CS:GO history? Oh, I mean, I think what's cool about this question, actually, is that it's not as simple as the other ones, because I think the really interesting thing about Kenny S's career, it's why he's a very hard player to rank in history, is actually specifically his prime was exceptionally high. Like, I think for real, mate, aside from prime simple and maybe prime Ziwoo. I think Kenny S's prime might be the best ever. Like if people remember in like latter part 2014 to early 2015. So when he had Kaylee, when he didn't have Kaylee, he was fucking unbelievably good. I mean, people remember the famous story he did for real against prime Fnatic, drop 50 kills on Inferno and lose the game. Like, like, like remember that Inferno's not even an open map for fuck's sake, guys. It's actually the map where you can push the opera off, but that's what prime Kenny S was like. He was just unstoppable. In fact, I even think people will forget back then. It wasn't just an opera, mate. He could fucking win clutches. He could win the pistol round. He could pick up an AK and win a 1v2. Like, he was just actually like a really cracked out player. Like, at the time, the eye test was unreal. So the thing with his career, obviously, is kind of like shocks. He's done that thing where it feels like they do one year on, one year off, like some oil rig level shit where it's like, right, one year I'm trying and then the next year I sort of fold it in, but I'm still like the 11th best player because I'm just a prodigy. Like, yeah. I've always thought with guys like that, mate, chance would be a fine thing. I actually have to work hard in my life to succeed, mate. You can just fuck around for a year, fair enough. So the real problem Kenny S has is he doesn't have one like all the other great players. Like, people like Cold Zero have all their years bunched together. People like Simple just have all the years, you know, like, some people like Olaf has one amazing year. Kenny S has sort of a mix. He has, like, a year here where he's godlike, then he has, like, a year off. Then he's, like, pretty good here. So I would say if you want to go specifically on his prime, like, the question, that's a pretty good one because I think his prime, he does get really high in the rankings. Like, I think his prime is higher than even people like Cold Zero as far as I'm concerned. You can say, yeah, Cold Zero did it in majors as that too. But like, I do think people forget how good Kenny S was. Like, if Simple hadn't come along, I think people would still tell stories about him, mate. He he became like the urban legend figure, didn't he? Like, the the god op, like, just 1v9 a game. Well, he instilled fear in his opponents, like real fear. I remember an interview, I still remember this interview with Olafmeister, where Olafmeister said, yeah, yeah, we're playing different because we're all scared of Kenny. (laughs) He he had that impact where he was one of those star players that just the fact that he was on the server was enough to throw his opponents off of their game. And then he obviously capitalizes on that, and he was just a freak. So, I mean, you you have that for sure. Uh, He has to rate, he has to rate, and that, you know, oh, he didn't do it in majors. He got robbed. He got robbed by Khaled. He did. It's like, yeah. dude, going into it, obviously, you know, obviously there's only so much you can know, but going into that major, you're thinking they like existence has got it. Like they should be, you know, front. They were a dark horse to win the, the tournament. Thing. Yeah. I would have had them like third or fourth. I think. Yeah. They were a dark horse. So crazy sure. to think that they, that, you know, that they would have been real contenders and they got just, they just got robbed. That whole Cali situation again, just outrageous. So, I mean, yeah, Kenny, Kenny had some rough knocks. Oh, by the way. Detail people might not know, though. Are you ready? Here's the punchline that no one was ready for with the Kaylee situation. Right? You might have seen on Twitter when CS2 Beta came out, people like fucking Heaton 
We're like, can I please get a, game, a version of the game? If you don't know, by the way, guys, Heaton's basically Pele in fucking Counter-Strike. Like, the idea he even has to ask is mental. Like, Valve invites Flom to the headquarters, but then yeah. Heaton has to beg. For, but here's the, here's the punchline. Because they stupidly didn't check and they just gave it to everyone who played majors, they gave Kaylee CS2 beta access. No, how do you get that? How did you know that? Because he tweeted it himself and he played the game. Isn't that mental? These guys don't get it, bro. They give him CS2 beta access. He actually cheated. As far as I can tell. I mean, I haven't done a video on this yet, but I'll do it one day. I actually think he even cheated in majors. Like, I've gone back and watched some of the games. Like, there's some mad sus clips of him, mate. Like, I don't know. That's mental, isn't it? What a bad punchline that is. Out of nowhere, Kaylee, just out of nowhere. Especially back then. Especially back then. You know, it's like they weren't taking all the precautions. It was when, I think, Cali happened. That's when Valve really started to take, ramp it up. Uh, I still remember talking to the Valve devs where they were they were freak like the devs were just flabbergasted because pros were using Razor I think and Razor had to con- have an internet connection so that the pros could have their settings or something yep. and the and the, the the devs were just like you have you, your your hardware needs to be connected to the internet what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like that was they just could not understand uh, that pros would be using stuff like that so they really cranked it up afterwards uh, once all that came through all right Nixon. What do you think of a descending overtime format, starting a best of six, then going down to best of four and best of two? Does he mean in the same map? Well, but again, what does he mean? What? what do you What do you think of a descending overtime format, starting a best of six, then going down to best of four and best of two? I don't oh, understand what it so, means. What so is a what best of six? Like, it's, not, it's not just. It's not just the same because right now you know it's uh what what he may what he might oh, mean it's because he didn't use mr3 what he meant exactly. was start with like an mr3 like this and then go down and to like an mr2 to... and then exactly. you know, right i see what he means essentially where he's come up with this idea if people know was that was one of the things people were suggesting that they were going to change in hockey if you remember that so they wouldn't have like infinite overtimes they were going to like take one man off the ice as like sections went by so like eventually you'd score a goal i get what he means like, i don't hate it because essentially what he's pointing out is you don't want like a billion overtimes what you want is as you get too many many overtimes you want to sort of just up the stakes and make it like right this fucking ends now like here's the thing i don't hate it because at one point monty always makes monty crystal from league because he's also because we worked on flashpoint another person who cares a lot about formats is a point we often make is like i actually think that the worst um tiebreaker format in all of sports is football with penalties because what you allow to decide the game is something that fundamentally isn't a major part of the game you know what i mean so one of the things we've always agreed on is you ideally do still want like the real game to decide so in this case i don't hate it like as much as once you get to it being one round it's a bit gimmicky it's still a rounded counter strike you're still gonna buy guns and do a strat you know like so i don't hate it I, i think that's not a bad concept it's not a bad idea. It's actually not a bad idea at all. Now that we lay, now that we yeah. figured it out, because the first there I'm like, what? And then could but also it, be pretty exciting, right. right? As it ramped up and you knew, oh, they exactly. didn't win this one. Now it's going to like the best or two order. That could that could be a pretty cool format. Yeah, that'd be worth trying. I think that'd be pretty cool. Maybe one day one of these tournament organizers can try it out. All right, ELT. What are your thoughts on the benefits of Pro CS drifting towards more international lineups, such as a wider stage for top talent and less developed regions? Over the possible loss of cultural identity, narratives, and history that early CSGO scene had, like Swedish dominance at the top level, French... So basically, um, this is a wall of text. Um, what what are our thoughts on international rosters versus national rosters, it looks like? 
I mean, he sort of named some of the best qualities. Like, obviously, the best thing, like, the obvious, I'll give you the extreme example. The best thing about international rosters is it lets people like Nico and Guardian have amazing careers where otherwise they would never have one. Like, there'll never be a team from Bosnia or fucking Slovakia that's good enough to win a major. So it's good for players like that. That's an obvious upside. The downside, like he said, is what you lose culturally. Like, at the end of the day, I would even say, let's take culture in the most literal sense of, like, tradition. Like, if you think historically, there were always different, unique paths of how you play Counter-Strike in each of the regions, right? So, for example, you can have the up-tempo, like, emotion-based French Counter-Strike that Apex and Happy and MBK want to play, or you can yeah. have the super tactical existence nerd style that, like, they want to play. You can, So you had all these different shades, and you could Swedes see... always behaved Swedish. You could always see which, like, sort of um, almost school of thinking they came up in. It's the same reason as to why Blade, very shrewdly, was able to put together this Navi squad, because he sort of actually brought those people through Counter-Strike and eventually they all knew his style of play. So I think that's the downside is like, it's good in the sense that you get the lineups that are like the mouse lineup now and the phase lineup and these teams and some of the American, like you can make Team Liquid better even if there's not any A players. That's good. My problem is though, I do think you lose something unique. Like for example, as much as I think Tabson sort of wastes his time in big, they have a coherent playing style and it very much is German Counter-Strike and it has a long history going back through God B and that way that they like to play the game. So I do think there is something to that. And all I'll say is, if you look at the greatest teams of all time, nearly all of the greatest teams of all time are the national teams. It is Australia's Fnatic, the French team. So the real problem is this. Would you trade history and have none of those teams? No Australia's 2018, no NIP 2012, no fucking... Would you trade all those teams for a bunch of like good teams where it's like a Cloud9 roster that has like Oscar with Kenny S and then fucking Hiko and nothing? Like, yeah, that'd be cool in its own way, but it, it wouldn't be the same game. You know, it'd be, it'd be different if we didn't have those histories. Oh yeah. Also, I mean, I think there you there. It really does give people there's that extra oomph to it. You know, you can be a fan of a team, but all of a sudden, if you know you're cheering for you know the Swedes playing in Malmo, you know Nip playing in Malmo on the stage in Malmo is a different experience. All of a sudden, you got the home crowd that's going crazy for him. It's the same thing if you got Astralis playing in Copenhagen in the Royal Arena and the Danes are going nuts and cheating, but like and going nuts, you know, for him. It's a like that's a that's a that's a different kind of experience than just everybody's international and so then you're kind of just cheering you know it's not there's not that same level of intensity it feels like i mean dude i still think back to one of the best one of the best events was was it the first or the second cologne regardless one of the first clones where you have all like cologne is special in a way because you have cheering sections from different nationalities like this was back when virtus pro was a big thing yep. when they had the polish corner you had the yep. whole polish corner and they were going Bat shit crazy. Oh, similar. Shall I tell you a detail? I don't know so, if I've ever told this story on By the Numbers, but when I went to ESL Clone when they rehired me in 2016, I arrive at the event. They have that Polish corner, right? Yeah. And they just had among over like eight people a giant banner that just said Thorin, we didn't forget. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. I remember. <laughs> yeah, All right, I remember. Then. And then someone actually, as if I needed to know this, pointed and went, Yeah, that's the Polish sex. Like, yeah, no shit. No shit. <laughs> You know what, man? I think I've got that. I think of everyone in this room, I'm fully aware of that. But okay. Dude, I, re I remember, uh, I remember right. when uh, the French section, when the when they they just started singing the Marseillaise, and they actually like you could hear them because they were up in the right. rafters. You could hear them all the way down onto the set, onto the stage. We're in the middle of a, of a segment, and I'm just like, wait, they're singing the Marseillaise up there. Like it's that kind of stuff that you're just not going to get if it's all just international teams and just you know uh, the globo uh, the globo uh, sort of uh, future where everything is just going to be a mishmash. Um, you know, you you definitely lose something special. So I I personally am not a huge fan to see that to see it go I this just way. Want both, I want if you know what I mean. 
continue to build up the pipelines and try to make it so that there is a future for Danish CS, there is a future for C Swedish CS, and right, you can have these regions that build up again. I'd rather see that than just everybody learning English the lingua franca and then, you know, playing. Here's the thing, dude. You don't have to have one or the other. That's the cool thing, isn't it? Like, the best thing for me is, like I say, if you're the one of the guys in a weird scenario. So, like, Config's a great example. Config has just fucked up his chances in the Danish teams. Like, they just don't want him at the moment. That's a perfect example where I do want that player to be able to go and mix it up with other guys. But at the same time, if tomorrow I have to remove, like, sadly, there's not that many great national lines at the moment. But the best one probably at the moment is, like, Vitality. Well, not uh, Cloud9, rather. They're probably the best one overall. Like, I wouldn't want to remove that team and make them all international players you know like i'd rather keep it for like circumstances where it makes sense for both parties all right let's dig into the next one santiago la farga what's your favorite food that you cook for yourself hmm. i mean i just like simplistic stuff i'm not a person who puts like mad effort in so i actually just think the area that people underrate is it's about just essentially in life, you want to do everything mindfully, right? Because the real problem is you can make simple food taste really good. Like I like to make myself generally just a tomato pasta with bacon cut up in it. Now you're all going to think like that's easy as fuck. Yeah, it is. Not only is it really easy, but if you do the right things, though, it will taste like five times better. Like for example, when I cut, when I cook the water, I put a bunch of butter in there, like real proper, real butter that soaks into the water. And then I put like a little spice into it as well. And then when I cut the bacon up, I make it a really nice of bacon with all the fat in it so, so I'm, I'm making everything more rich and so it's a mega easy dish to make by the way you can make this dish in about 15 minutes but it's just really nice food just hearty mm -hmm. food you know yeah um the favorite food that i get to cook for myself but that i'd never really get to cook anymore but it's my favorite food and i used to make it all the time back in la is just a simple quesadilla it's just, I don't know. It's my guilty pleasure. I just love quesadillas. I could, you know, you put the, you make your own salsa, you know, it's like, that's the thing. If you really want to go into it, you can make your own salsa and then, you know, you know, put the, put the salsa in the quesadilla, layer it up with the cheese. You put some steak in there, you know, get it all nice and melty and then it get crispy, you know, cause you sizzle it in, in you know, you sizzle it in butter. So the, the tortilla gets all nice and crispy, but the inside is, dude, I love quesadillas. It's my guilty pleasure. So <laughs> quesadillas are where it's at. Of course, you can always have like the obvious ones, you know, steak and all that as well, because a steak is an art form that you never really stop learning. So you can always make it better the next time and then it turns into a bit of a game. But um, quesadilla is definitely there. All right. Tasty AMG. Based on the info from Richard's article, it seems. OK, so again, remember, these are from a while back. So uh, let's see. Based on the info from Richard's article, it seems CS2 will be released after the major or close to it. So yeah, you, you get the timeline here. How long do you think Valve or tournament organizers will let the current pro scene run as if before switching over to the new version of the game? I think that we kind of touched on this earlier in that, or you touched on this earlier in the sense that you said that um, it feels like we're already winding down. It feels like there aren't a lot of storylines or a lot of interest in the tournaments leading up to the major. It feels like the major is pretty much the only game in town. And then Dude, there's just going to be a big drop-off. There's a detail people keep seeming to miss because Valve even announced this in the actual announcements of CS2. They said it's a free upgrade for CSGO. So my assumption is similar. There's no switching. They're one day just going to pull a fucking lever and it's just going to be CS2. And if you had CSGO, when you log in that day, it'll be like when they do a patch update, you'll just have to download the new patch. You'll be on CS2. Like They're making it sound like at some point they're going to go, right, everyone remember at the end of the month to buy CS2. It's like They're just going to release it. I, I think people... People are, get, people are getting too lost in the weeds on that one. Like I said, for me, it's Overwatch 2, for fuck's sake. But stop pretending like we're going to CS. Is, yeah. This is Counter-Strike 4. It's, it's just CS exactly. 4, 2, isn't it? Come on, mate. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Your, 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 your skins are going to be more shiny. Cool. You know, yeah, that, there exactly. you go. That's pretty much it. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, but it does feel like it feels like you're going to have the major. And, you know, this is how Valve want to put it out there as well, because they already have the beta going. And so, um, you know, the, you'll have the major, you'll have this, the, 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 the summer break, the mid-year break, and then they're probably just going to come right out of the break into CS2 yep. and just pivot it all the way over to CS2. And there you go. The rest of the year is going to be played out in CS2 and, and we'll go from there. I imagine that's exactly how it's going to play out. Uh, Vigiman, if y'all had to lose a finger, which hand finger would it be? That's actually an interesting question because your pinky, like you don't think about it, but your pinky is actually like way stronger and you use for way more things than you actually I mean, to hold about. stuff super essential, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't think you can get rid of the pinky, even though that's the, 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 the knee jerk reaction would be to say, lose the pinky. I feel like the obvious one would be whatever your non-dominant hand is something like the ring on the middle fingers, the, ring, like the obvious yeah. ones, you know, cause with the rest, you can still hold stuff. Like you can still exactly. read a book. Like that has to be the least important is your non-dominant hand basically. Non-dominant ham ring finger is probably the is probably where it's at. Ring or middle. Obviously, I'm not a degenerate anymore, guys. So when I make this joke, I'm just playing a character called Thorin, the king of esports. But the obvious only downside to having that finger cut off is now you have to just pretend a stranger with one less finger wanks you off every night. You get the joke of that one, you know. The old <laughs> fucking, you know. <laughs> He's lying on the hand. We all know the old trick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I'm not a degenerate, so I don't approve of that joke. Anyway. You don't know that at all. Just said it for money. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Wes. Thank you for putting this show together. Is there something such as object? Is there something such as objectivity in journalistic reporting? I, like, I won't make it a big rant, but I'll just very briefly explain a point that is always un misunderstood. You might even be surprised when you hear this yourself, Samla. When people hear that phrase, objectivity in journalism, they actually completely misunderstand what it means. They think it means what they pretend to do on broadcast network television journalism. You know what they claim? Like, right, we're going to have two people here, one from the other side, and then this side, and you're both going to make your points, and then you decide as the fans. That's not objectivity. Objectivity is the idea idea that there is actually a real tangible truth and reality outside of our subjective experience. So what objectivity actually means in journalism is the idea that if I investigate a story, similar and I don't like evil geniuses, for example, if when I'm investigating the story, I find out that some of what I don't like about them doesn't apply to the story, and actually they didn't do something wrong, I don't just go, well, because I subjectively don't like them, I'm just going to fucking lie and say they did it. The idea of objectivity is if I really discover that it's not what I even want it to be, maybe, I'll still report that as the case. That is what's going on. This is the truth. And th that, it's the idea that you believe it's possible to access like real truth. So on some level, yeah, I do agree with it. It's just, I think it's very different to what a fan would think. Like when a fan says that thing of like, oh, you you're biased. You should have just like left all possible options in. No, that's actually the op opposite of objectivity. That would actually be subjectivity. That would be saying everyone's truth is yes, valid exactly. and everyone, you know, they should all just be represented and no one should ever make a judgment. Like I think that is the opposite of journalism. I think journalism is really, you go out there, there's this jungle of information and leads and you're the one who's hacking away at it and you're trying to get your way down to what's real and then come back to your audience and tell them, look, because I'm a credible person who you know doesn't lie and cares about the truth, here's what I discovered on my travels, as it were. That's to me what journalism is. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. And then you have all the misleading, the thing is, is like, I think it's... Uh... Is there something there's a journalist report? I mean, I think the reason why you ask these questions as well is because there are so many scumbag journalists out there as we are as we're learning, and not just in esports, but journalism as a whole is just completely yes. corrupt to the core. And so, you know, this question keeps coming up more and more often because I think that 
people realize obviously what the journalists claim to be doing is telling the truth and get it like you say getting to the truth and you know really you know getting through the weeds and taking risks and finding out what the real story is and telling the real story and this is the whole you know this is what they keep selling the public saying like this is what we do as journalists when in reality they literally get scripts and you know they, they, it's just it's just yep. a complete and utter sham of a, of a job and so this this question is going to keep coming up and i think that, that more and more people are going to start running into this kind of what is it the dissonance where they're gonna they're gonna say wait th this isn't adding up you know something you know what is it that's not adding up here is it objective are they lying to us what's going on i think more and more people are going to be running into that especially on the internet and so we'll keep getting that question more and more as people keep uh, wondering for themselves what's going on all right shirts are rare what is your favorite healthy meal and what is your favorite cheat meal now you go on this one first what would you pick for this because you eat, you eat way healthier than me at the moment of <laughs> I, it, my favorite healthy meal I, yeah no it really is that simple the thing is is that um the food that you cook it's just it's just if you cook it well and also if you cut out um the bullshit all of a sudden the the the, the boring healthy food all of a sudden it tastes great you just need to stop eating the the horribly ultra processed shit food so uh it really is this simple I love making just like some some meat and potatoes and like potatoes, carrots chopped up, bake them, you know, cut it. You can bake them. You can put some olive oil on there with a little bit of salt and pepper. You put them in the oven. You bake them up. They get all nice and crispy, you know, so the veg is all nice and crispy. Potatoes is great. And then you get a little bit of meat on the side, whatever you whatever you want. And, um, you know, pork, you could do, you could do some pork, you just, you can do some nice, uh, steak or, you know, whatever you, whatever you have, like you can get access to, um, you go, you go to the supermarket, you're looking at deals, you're figuring it out. But, um, dude, it really is that simple. My favorite healthy meal now is literally just, just as, you know, steak and steak and potatoes, meat and potatoes. It's the meat and potatoes, right? But it really is that like, it, it really is so good. And you feel you feel energetic. You feel like you got everything you need. You can go lift weights and feel fantastic. I mean, it's everything. Like that food has got everything. Favorite cheat meal? It's it's just pizza, man. Simple pizza. I'll always I'll always 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 opt for a pizza if there's pizza. It's just that. Uh, what type of pizza are you going for? Then what's your go-to? Oh, dude. Um, and again, it's super simple now. Uh, I don't do the kebab pizza. I can't. I can't. I can't handle the kebab pizza. Even though I know Sweden. Kebab pizza. Oh, they're all going on about never shut the fuck up. Yeah, they never shut the fuck up. <laughs> they, 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 they don't like kebab pizza here. Uh, I don't. I. I am. I am just, dude. It's kind of like saying chocolate chip is your favorite cookie. Uh, you know, pepperoni pizza to me never misses. So, it's like uh, that. You know, Capybara in town have got a fantastic pepperoni pizza, and they jazz it up a little bit. They put like sriracha mayo on it and some kale. It's weird, but it's it works. Like some onion as well. They put on there, and it's actually like a banger pizza. So. Usually when I'm having a pizza, it's because I went into town to Capabar and I'm getting their pizza because they do a really good pizza. And so that'll be my, that'll be my cheat meal. You know, is having a pizza at Capa. a little bit of, you know, they, they don't sponsor the show, but we'll give them promotion. If you're here in Stockholm, head to Capabar. They actually have really good food. So, uh, funny you know, thing is, uh, I'm going to go a similar route because the joke is obviously people have just been brainwashed to think healthy food equals a salad. Whereas, like, yeah, I agree with like you. Rice and chicken. For me, healthy food is like what Samuel said. I would cook a ribeye steak, so beef, mm. and then I would have, like, I actually like to, because it's just a bit less carby, I like to get um, parsnip and make that into a mash. If you yeah. just put some, like, some cream in, it's really delicious, actually, guys. You'll, you'll be surprised how nice it is. And then I just make, because I'm British, a little gravy. So you just get like a, a simple gravy granules. You cook it up with some water. Just put a bit of that. It's actually quite a healthy meal. Also, if you worked out with something, you're going to feel fucking awesome if you eat a ribeye and yep, that. Like. Yep, yep. And then for cheap meal, I just go with the classic. I tend to like stuff like kebab. 
Kebabs are pretty good one. Like, I'm not as big a fan in the Netherlands as much, but I have a couple of places here I can still get like a lamb kebab from, for example. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A, couple, a couple of good spots sure. still. Actually, just to tag on there real quick, Sweden, like now I've grown to love like the cream sauces, you know, like the brown sauce and like mushroom sauce and like that sort of stuff. Like they do a lot of sauces here because it gets freaking cold in the winter. So you want stuff with a lot of fat, like a lot of cream. And the you do that, you do, so you just do the piece of meat, you do the potatoes, you put some cream on top, cream sauce on top. It's just amazing. All right, it's growing on me. Jerky's Minion. With Sick now having criminal charges against him, how do you think this will affect his overall playing career in Valorant? We've, we have seen previous examples of top Quake pro players just fading into obscurity for a long period of time before they made a comeback. Do you think this will follow the same path? Have you actually heard the story behind I this? I am brother? not familiar with this story. Right, the so problem is, I, don't, I didn't keep up with it. It's obviously a Valorant story. But basically, people don't know, Sick was actually like one of the better players in Valorant. He played for Sentinels. And basically what happened was, there was a story, and the reason I bring this up is because obviously, it's, I don't think as far as I know, he has money problems. Or as far as I know, Samler, the implication was this, that he went to some sort of like a car dealership, like something like a Mercedes or something like car dealership, you know, like a proper place. And that somehow it's implied that he got into some sort of like an argument with someone there. There, and then they sort of like called the police on him, but he like refused to leave. And essentially what it, what was implied was that he had some sort of like mental health problem. Like he had maybe like some sort of a, a break or something and that sure. he just acted in a weird way. And then as a result, they didn't just like arrest him. They did something like arrest him and then like hold him in like a, a like custody for a while. So, so it was almost implied that like that he was having some sort of breakdown and even the way it was reported in Valorant made it seem like people were like concerned for him but didn't want to say too much. So that I don't know. That whole thing just sounds mad to me and I don't actually know what all the details are quite frankly. So it sounds like quite an alarming situation. I certainly hope he's okay. Those, those kinds of situations are always freaky. Uh, especially, it's like um, yeah, I hope that that works out. I haven't followed it at all for the same reason. Didn't he? I mean, am I off here? I thought that Sick played CS at one point as well, didn't he? Oh, he did. Remember him and him and Twists used to be in that TSM lineup when they had in 2016 with That's Automatic it. and Semphis. Exactly. And then after that, he was in Misfits with Sean Gares. He was also That's in that team, and then he was in like the Rogue at the end with fucking Hiko or whatever. So he's in a bunch of teams. The problem he had was this: him and Twists came up at the same time. Twists obviously tracked and became one of the greatest players of all time. Sick became like an also ran NA player, but like I say, when he came to Valorant, a lot of those guys got like a second breath of life so that's when he was at the top when the likes of the tens and fucking dapper and all these people we know from cs that's when they were all popping off at na basically so he actually is like he was a good player on some level he just obviously just must just be a tortured guy you know who knows we won't speculate uh kaike 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 i think that's how i say your name uh, G2 looked shaky versus their, uh, let's see, G2 looked shaky versus their IEM Katowice performance. Do you think they were close to a burnout and will they come back stronger or weaker from the break? Well, again, this has been, <laughs> some of these questions go uh, go pretty far back. So uh, uh, G2, uh, are they looking strong? Are they weak? I mean, we talked a bit about them, uh, you know, they, we talked a bit about them today, i.e., uh, they didn't just, uh, they haven't just blasted through. They are looking like they're, they're, they're recovering, but they had a bit of a bumpy start with that, uh, that hitch versus nine on that one map on nuke where they lost that. And so there wasn't the perfect start here to the RMR for them, but they have bounced back, uh, with two wins. And now they're looking like they're going to close out and beat cloud nine here as well as we're recording this. It's looking pretty good. For them to beat, yeah, their match point against Cloud9. So it looks like they're going to be able to bounce back and actually make it through this RMR. Not the top of the seed, which is what you'd want to see for G2, but getting the job done. All right, we can go on. Manikino, 
How satisfied are you with the progress of Last Free Nation project thus far? Are you achieving the goals you set out for yourself? Has starting your own esports publication given you more perspective on content you've made in the past about the rise and fall of other publications over the years? Uh, here's the thing. I'm just going to veto this question because right now the business stuff is not at all set and I don't even want to talk about it. So I'll just leave that shit. All right. We'll get back to you, Medicino. All right. Tiny Pickle. Ask that question in like six months and then I can answer it. There you go. All right. Semler mentioned that he'd always given shit to manga anime, but still picked up Berserk, which many consider to be the go-to manga. Can you talk about what makes this still this still appealing to you, despite disliking most of the rest of the manga you've come across? Not sure if Thorin has read it, but feel free to jump in as well. Bonus I haven't, so don't give any spoilers. But yeah, get, what, just, okay. what do you think about it? What, what, what drew you into it? What did you like about it? art the art i mean i the first time i read it i wasn't in the same frame of mind that i am in today though so when i purchased it right because i, I was just thinking because what i'm doing is i'm trying to just fill out my library with hard copies of what i think are or you know the, like the masterworks right like okay. actual books that you need to save actual books that need to be held onto for the future because they're changing everything and so you know that was that that was on there where it's like okay when i read it the first time around years ago uh, i absolutely loved it uh, that uh, Akira, uh, and then I have um, I have Ghost in the Shell, and then I have um, Battle Angel Alita. Uh, Battle Angel Alita, I grew up with, just master masterpiece. Uh, and so, but like Berserk, it's interesting because I'm not going to spoil it for you, obviously. But because I am in the frame of mind that I am in today, it was a it was a very different experience rereading it today. So it's it's yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, that um, I don't even know if I would if I would consider like if I would consider reading it again today with the frame of mind that I have like I actually have it on my shelf I mean, as far as I know like essentially the, the angle I'm guessing that you're not this vibing as much there's a lot of like hyper violence and like fucking it's not even of... like hyper violence it's the hypersexual side of things okay. and all that like mega lust mega you know just mega it's like I'm watching H HBO or something you know and it's like i've expressed how i feel about hbo in the past uh you know so it's just like i'm not a, i'm not a fan of just like s sexualization for sexualization's sake and uh and that sort of stuff which there is a bit of that in berserk so and uh and obviously yeah the hyper violence way hyper violence i mean there's all sorts of stuff in there where it's like damn i'd forgotten this was in here and so obviously like reading it again today it's it's you know i'm like eh, i'm a little bit on the fence about it i may i may i may even sell the series and just sell it and give it to somebody who wants it and not have it anymore uh, I, I like the thing, like, cause I, I go back, I read Gunnam or, you know, Battle Angel Alita. I read, um, you know, uh, Ghost in the Shell. I read uh, Akira and I don't have that experience at all. Like I loved, I loved rereading all three of those. Just absolutely adored them. Right. You know, I didn't a piece of trivia you might not know about, maybe you do, we'll see, is Battle Angel Alita is actually a property that James Cameron, obviously eventually made that like movie out there or whatever, he did, yeah. but he had that for like green lit for like, I'm talking like 15 years or something that he kept claiming he was going to make it. But I think it really? was one of those ones where like advertised wait for the tech to catch up or something. Because I heard about that, like from like the m movie magazines from some late, like the fucking early 2000s or the late nineties or something. And so it took forever for that to ever get made. But apparently that was like some passion project of his. And they, they, it wasn't, Obviously, like I watched the movie, I and obviously it. it's 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 that it's that kind of like experience where you really cherish the the source material. So to watch the movie, you're just already preparing yourself, you know, mental armor, right. just like okay, they're they're gonna fuck it up. It's Hollywood; they're gonna fuck it up in a bunch of different ways. And there there were some fuck ups for sure. There were a lot of fuck ups, but they also did some things pretty right in the movie. Okay. So 
I actually found myself enjoying the movie, even though they did the usual Hollywood tripe. Uh, there, there was still uh, there was still some good start stuff in it too. So I was like, okay, not too bad. But it's still like the the best part about that series is that they then went on to do like uh you know like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. They did you know they have they have the original series for for Gunham, and then they did like another Gunham, which is also excellent. So um, yeah, it's like I do I do still enjoy some manga. I never really got anime, but I still enjoy some manga. Uh, but it's mainly like manga from my childhood that I guess I just vibed with like really hard back then, and so I just hold on to that manga, and then I don't really care about anything new at all. I guess I'm old that way. All right, uh, Toby, what team would you love to see K. Serato on if he left Furia? What are his options right now in fucking uh, Brazil? It doesn't really feel like. I mean, do we come back to the international question where it's just like, okay, you know, they yeah, need fire, put him on EG. Like, Fuck, fuck a Brazilian line. There are no good Brazilian lineups. Like, Furia is the best Brazilian team. So the obvious answer is FaZe, Clan, Vitality. Pick any team that you think's really good. Like, this guy's just one of the best players in the world. Like, by the way, mm. how about NIP for him? Wouldn't you like to see K. Serato play under XCB? Like, that'll be interesting. Like, I think this guy could play in any team, mate. He's really fucking good. He's really good. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of the, I say it jokingly, you know, put him on EG, but but like, no, seriously, <laughs> if, you, if you invest the money in the rest of the lineup, like you'd be a start. Like, that's how you can start making a world class team again. Yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, like that, that would probably be it, because I think you're right. I think the ship has kind of sailed like you had the fallen. Everybody was on board the fallen ship. And that's what was getting stuff done in the Brazilian scene. And then they kind of, you know, like Furia had their moments and all that. But it feels like now those trains have left the station and there isn't a whole lot going on behind it. And so in Brazil right now, they are really uh, um, in oh, a bit mate, of a tight spot. How much do you think I love this? Not only did Imperial do nothing after that major where everyone memed on me. Bro, they didn't even qualify for this major that came last place. And everyone's just cool with that. That's how I know none of you ever actually thought Fallen was as good as you all claimed he was. You all did that just to dunk on me. Here's what you will never get, by the way, guys. Right? I know even Simple's too stupid to get this. You know when I make a tweet about Simple and Simple replies to my tweet? By the way, notice I didn't say I make a tweet to Simple or I make a tweet tagging Simple. I just make a tweet on my Twitter account about Simple and he replies to me. It doesn't matter what he replies, I win. I already won immediately. The second he replies to me, I won. Because in that scenario, who the fuck am I? I'm just some guy on the internet watching the game. But this motherfucker, I'm in his head rent-free. He has to reply to me. It's actually more important what I think about the topic than the topic. Because that whole topic to me is so whack. It's like the Imperial Project, by the way, was just a big waste of money. You know, if people don't know, people like Fallen and Fur, I heard, run really big salaries, guys. And what did they do aside from that one major where they almost made top eight but didn't? That's it. Nothing. Mm. They never had like a really deep run at a tournament. They never won something. Like it's actually kind of sad what a waste of time that project was. That and the one with Cold Zero and the Zero Zero Nation. It's just it ended up just being a waste of time, didn't it? Like you hoped that pairing like legendary players with young up and comers would yield like a new roster, but it never really did. Unfortunately, neither of them did. And quite frankly, behind the scenes, it sounds to me like the old heads sort of ran those teams into the ground, you know. It doesn't sound like they were super open to the new generation and learning the new meta. It sounds like they just did whatever the fuck they wanted to do from their own ego, mate. Are, are, we, are we looking at a different... Uh, it's kind of similar to what we saw with the French scene, for example, where it's just the old heads oh. that keep, kept rehashing the same roster. Like you pointed out, you know, like keep bringing back the same players. Oh, this kind of worked. Well, let's figure it out if we can do this again. Yeah. It's, uh, it does feel like that is kind of what, uh, what happened over there, uh, unfortunately for them. Uh, yeah. it's uh, it, Again, the, the joke is... Casey Rado, just go and join EG. Take some of that EG money. 
All right, let's uh, let's see what the where are we here? Manahino, no, Toby. Okay, uh, it's go. Uh, what are some of your favorite music videos? Right, I will say I have a miniature rant on that, which okay. is in the modern day I actually hate music videos, and here's why, similar. Because yeah. music videos made people into idiots about music. Like, I'll give you an example. You'll, you'll be able to relate to this. If you post the, like, if you want to post a song on your Twitter, you better find the version of that song without the music video. Because if you post the music video, all the comments will just be about what the music video is about. Even though the band usually didn't make the music video. The music video has nothing to do with the song. Oftentimes in the modern day, the music video is just some weird degenerate art project that they just paid some famous artists to make. So I actually think, sadly, music videos became like a massive distraction. Whereas, like, I care more about the track. But then also, the other thing is, as a result, in the modern day, like, I don't watch TV charts or whatever. So I don't even know in the modern day what the music videos are like mate like my knowledge of music videos probably ends in the 2000s i'd imagine or maybe even the 90s so I could, i'd have to go with some super boomer one like if you remember back in the day there were some pretty fucking amazing like michael jackson ones if you remember like the the, the early 90s you know the ones where he would have like mad production value because dude he had those ones in that era that people forget this era of michael jackson there was an era of michael jackson in the 90s where if you listen to the themes of his music because he came from this weird christian background with apocalyptic elements it was all about the idea the world was going to end for real like all the songs were about like economical so that era was really interesting like he had some some videos if you remember like movie quality mate like some of those were wild mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the uh all right so uh when i think of this though for me it's like i'm, I'm exactly the same boat as you like i i don't uh i don't really care about music videos at all and it feels like whenever i see modern music videos especially what gets pushed today i just want to gouge my eyes out so uh i yeah, it's like nothing modern don't even don't even bring it up and even the old it's also stuff. like you said before me it's like you said about berserk the other problem is where i'm at in life so for example like i'll give you an example there's a band i really like that i'll say in a second and everyone will go brilliant music video. no i hate their music videos. you know tools music videos they're all just super degenerate art, mate. Like, what's cool about that? Like, if that Adam Jones guy really made all that the guitar, then he's a fucked up person. Like, this shit. That's exactly. I, that's exactly what I hate about modern art, guys. Stuff like that where it's just some weird, disturbing thing of like some like. There's nothing. What's in, what's inspiring about that? You know what? What does that make you think? Uh, life's brilliant because that. So I hate that sort of stuff. Before. Like, even stuff like metal, I told you, it's what actually kills me about the music. I like the music, but some of the aesthetics. Fucking, I'm just way on the other side at this point. I don't want that stuff, you know. The, the one that I thought of that it's a because I was actually thinking about this recently because I rewatched um, a lot of clips of Excalibur, the 1981 movie. Um, just god tier movie. Freaking, like, I'm gonna watch the movie again. Oh, it's again. a mega. If people don't know, it's a, it's a definition of like a flawed gem. Like, there's aspects you're not gonna vibe with at all, but it's so imaginative. And also, the scope of that movie is insane. Like, it's basically three movies in one. If you've never seen it, it's mad, the aesthetics it? of it, and it's just everything about it. It's one of my all time favorite movies, and it's just it's so ambitious, oh, though, isn't it? What a great concept. But, yeah, uh, there is that one moment where the where the king rides again, and it's just the land coming back to life, and they have uh. I just looked it up. Carl Orff, O Fortuna, uh, Carmina Burana. Oh, the classic opera. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Dude. And it's just, it is one of, so it's not a music video, but to me, it is the perfect song for the perfect shot. And it just, everything comes together and it's perfect. And it's just engraved in my mind forever. That's it. Like, I'll always think that song, that scene, there it is. So you couldn't do a music video like you. I mean, it's a classical opera, so you wouldn't have a music video anyways. But uh, but just, you know, that scene right there. So if you want a good movie, Excalibur, go watch it. And then you'll understand what I'm talking about when you get to that point in the movie. 
So there we go. Uh, let's see. Kaladin 2020. What are your thoughts on Scrawny's casting? I mean, I've been pretty blunt about this in the past. I just think he's Sadokus 2.0. That's it. He, sound, he sounds exactly the same. So He does yeah. actually have a very similar style. I mean, look, I will say, though, when you say that, Sam, that's not a diss, though. That's like, no, you know, that not. thing where, you know, that thing where people yeah. were like, you know, Kobe just copied Michael Jordan. It's like, he was the best ever. Like, I would copy him if I were you. Like, no, it's it's not a diss, by the way, when Sam says that. He's really good, obviously. Exactly. It's not a diss. It's just like, when I hear, when I hear Scrawny, I hear Sado. I know what you like, mean. I, yeah. So that's just, it's just what it is. Uh, Jehel, which update to CSGO would you go, would you go back in time and roll back if you could? And you had the objective of doing it to increase the chances of the top competitive scene of the game becoming the best it could be from that point forward. Here's the thing I've told you all a million times. You just don't want to hear it, do you? I'd revert that opener. I don't give a fuck, there you go. Now you have to understand, again, I am bad biased. Like, essentially, I, I, I would just turn to Kenny and just go, like, give me fucking some skin, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Let's dominate this shit. Exactly. So like, I am biased as fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and we've said it before as well. I, I mean, I've said it before as well. Uh, I would revert the economy changes and make the economy more brutal. That would be a good one uh, too. I just want it cutthroat again. Just I want yeah. I want players to be sweating bullets in yeah. rounds because everything is riding on this round. It's not, oh, we'll just force and get Tech Nines and Kevlar and some rifles next and we won't be able to tell who won the fucking pistol. Yeah. No, no. I want it to be like everything riding on a round and let's see who's got the stones. Like that's, uh, yeah, that would be sick. Uh, all right, Dunks. Is competitive edge for both CSGO... Well, this is a you question. Is competitive edge for both CSGO and League of Legends going to return when your new project has been more established? I don't know yet. Like, one thing people won't understand is this. When you work with sponsors, oftentimes, that look, there's a type of sponsorship like they do on League of Legends where we just do a sponsor within a show that exists. But oftentimes, sponsors have specific things they want you to partner with on them. So that was a show we specifically created with our specific betting partner. They wanted separate content about bets and previews and fixtures. So essentially, they're all be at the moment because that's not the deal we currently have. I'm not against it. I actually thought it was a canny little project. If people never saw, like I was actually killing it in CSGO. If you don't know, I, I am actually to this day still up betting on CSGO for eSports bet I, like they give it like 50k from like 54k now so i was actually killing it It was quite an interesting project it's just at the moment it's not within the deliverables of a deal that we have with any sponsors so mm. depends if the right sponsor wants it then yes it will come back if not then maybe not and there's also a world i could see in the future maybe down the line where something like that exists but it might maybe it's not even just for esports maybe i do a sports betting thing with someone i know in sports or something you know like it depends on if there's a fun angle for it basically but it initially was just a sponsored deliverable, basically. Well, there we go. Uh, for any boy, what advice did you take to heart, which in hindsight turned out to be completely false? I mean, the short version is every single fucking platitude and cliche within neoliberalism. Like, for example, like all of them, just the idea, like, well, Everyone can be just as good as everyone else if they try. And, oh, you know, like, wow, everyone from all cultures is identical and equal and just all the same. And everyone's the same as you with the same worldview and the same theory of mind. Like, all that stuff's just nonsense. Like, essentially, by the way, the short version is most of the stuff that's in movies, I'd probably say is nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. actually think the most sinister thing in the modern world is people grow up letting movies shape their mind as if it was a real life experience. But they don't realize that since a lot of the way movies are presented is just 
false. You're actually learning like the wrong lessons in life, if you know what I mean. Like, like the fucked up thing is, it's why I often, if people notice, the movies I recommend are ones that are like make you like dream of bigger things or like believe in like being a man of integrity or something. A lot of like standard movies, like nowadays, if you watch like a superhero movie, like a Spider Man movie, the joke is the actual underlying message would ruin your life if you lived it that way. You'd be like a little simp or something, you know. It'd actually wreck you out, I think. <laughs> Uh, what advice did you take to heart, which in hindsight, Herbic, you have some of that sting sounds out for you. I mean, you, you were definitely, um, hmm. man, you just mentioned so many that, cause that, it's like you say, right? It's like, like I'll give you so a classic much, one. You know, the classic so one where much. they go, you know, just be yourself and it doesn't matter. Like, I think that's I the opposite advice. Of in my opinion in life, it's like, you want to choose who you want to become, not like just be who you are now. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. that sucks. Uh, you it? are not your best self. You are yeah. flawed, <laughs> deeply, deeply flawed. Of course. Um, Oh, Porthos. Uh, what book have y'all been reading recently? Hmm. Uh, I've got a few of them. I mean, I've almost finished with C.S. Lewis's, um, uh, like I am very close now to being done with C.S. Lewis's space trilogy. And that's been excellent. Really enjoyed it really thoroughly. Like his imagination, his ability to take, uh, because obviously C.S. Lewis is one of the greatest theologians the last hundred years. So, you know, or seen as, right? Okay, up for debate, whatever. But like um, the way that he can take his knowledge of a topic and then completely just put it into this realm that he creates out of, I mean, it's just the, the layers and layers in that, in that, in those books are just unreal. Uh, he, it's a, it's a wild ride. So, um, his his space trilogy we'll put it that way you you can't miss it if you look for it c.s lewis space trilogy you'll you'll find it it very very much uh worth it the one that i was struggling with though the, this is the other charles carroll one that he, that he recommended which was a dispelling Wentico. that one i'm having a lot of trouble getting through i it just feels like word salad a lot of the time and uh so i'm having a lot of trouble getting through that one uh not enjoying it as much but um the c.s lewis book is a banger highly recommend do you have anything that you've been reading lately Wait that one sec. <laughs> We're going through the list. No, no, I would just say I would. I've recently. The problem is I don't want to discuss this, so don't ask me in a future episode what I thought. I'm going to finish the book when I've finished the book. Because one thing I don't do at all, by the way, is I'm not a 12 year old kid who thinks this is a book club and I'm trying to get a gold star. Like I read at the speed I enjoy the story at. Like mm. if I'm reading a great book, I sometimes go slower. I slow down to really take it in and think. And so, and for example, if if a book is too good, sometimes I don't just keep pushing myself to read it. I go, actually, yeah, exactly. I've had too much today. I've got to sort of like fucking decompress a bit. So I've just started reading uh, The Master and Margarita, which is like a famous Russian novel, which is a very interesting premise. Like, I'll tell you more about it if it ends up being good. Like, it seems pretty interesting so far. So there's one. That's like a classic book that I had on my list for a while. So I've just got into that. Thick. Okay. I'll note that down. Uh, what? Uh, let's see. Casper. Uh, with Skadoodle performing as well as he did... Uh, when Cloud9 won the Major, posting a 1.29 rating and actively winning all the op duels against Guardian, how good was he actually? Here's my obvious question. If he posted a 1.25 rating and won all his op duels against Guardian, the wife of the entire event were his stats just pedestrian as fuck. Because it's what? That was one match. So if you're asking about his prime, he was very good. He was overrated because as far as I can tell, it was specifically based around how the IGLs used him. Skadoodle's the only player I've ever heard of where the people who are his own teammates talk like he's not a real human and he was like an AI bot or something, mate, because they all go like, well, you need the IGL to set him up correctly and like tell him when to pick out. You don't. Spoiler, you know all the other great authors in history, Kenny Ayres, Guardian, they just do that themselves. 
They take initiative, and if you're the IGL, you integrate them into your system. They make Skadoodle for real sound like a turret that you just p- position like a fucking unit in like <laughs> StarCraft Two or something, and then you just you just micro it when the person comes. So he was really good skill wise at his peak in like 2015, and he was like a very consistent player. But the flaw is, as far as I can tell, he's not a super like driven person individually. Like I don't think he ever put mad hours in the game. And then as far as I know, he was somewhere where basically the IGL has to put like a legit amount of resources. Mm-hmm into yes. how to use yeah. him. And the downside of that is, like I say, normally I would say it's the opposite with your star opera. Like, Azimu, you just let him, you let him loose and you figure out the rest of the team. So he had his, he had like, a, he had a good level, but he was maybe a bit overrated. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, Jehal, uh, to what degree do you think Valve should engage in setting up and enforcing a framework for professional play in CS2 outside of events driven by Valve? Uh, should it be up to third-party organizations, or are there things you think that Valve should consider based on the history of and experience with CSGO? Uh, oh. hmm. I mean, it feels like we've discussed this in the past. I don't really know what Valve can do apart from saying, like, what, antitrust laws or something? Like, ESL, you're not allowed to, not allowed to have a monopoly. I mean, what, what else are they going to do? They would have to literally step in and start start their own Overwatch League or something like that. That's the, that's the next step. They're already there with the majors. They already take up a large part part of the calendar with the majors. So the only place to go from here would be okay. Now we take over everything. And instead, they've got ESL to run the show for them. So uh, there you go. I mean, the, the I mean, Valve you know that. The real problem is like Valve can do anything they want. Valve literally issues the licenses to run tournaments in the game. So if they want tomorrow, they can say ESL, fuck off forever. You can never run Counter-Strike again. But as you said, this isn't Riot Games. They don't want to run the circuit themselves. So in a world where they want someone else to run the circuit, quite frankly, ESL is their favorite customer right now, right? Like they're the people who want to run your circuit for you. And then you just pay some of the prize money for the major. Like I actually think Valve get a very good deal out of the way that the circuit sell. I don't think they would change anything, Matt. No, I think they're, that they're pretty much there. And then eventually, I mean, I think we st- will still see Blast get purchased. Either they go out of business or they get purchased by uh, by ESL. And then, or, or uh, the others, or the rivals, be... or the Qataris, or the fucking, as we say, the Abu Dhabi people. There'll be some group of people will come in and buy them, yes. Architect of Korean esports-based Joe. Does NA actually make the best place for C- events in CSGO since their teams are so dog shit it's essentially a neutral site? <laughs> Without going into some bigger issues, just look at what the requirements are to enter the United States right now. I would say, no, they don't make the best place to have a tournament. They did that, not me. And spoiler, I'm not at all surprised, similar that Virtus Pro is dropping out via um, fucking um, Rio or whatever, Dallas yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, these... It's not that easy to go to some of these countries. Like, I'm sorry. The other reason why when Team Liquid complained about CS, it's like, bro, you are aware like Europe's the best place for us all to go right now. It's the only place everyone in the world can go for a tournament. So it actually just makes sense to have all the tournaments there, I'm afraid. America used to be a banging spot four or five years ago. It just hasn't been ever since we went online, has it? So it got ruined. Yeah. That just is the way that things that are, isn't it? Much. That is pretty much it. Unless, uh, unless things change. Uh, I mean, you know, it's like you're always going to have... Um, you're always going to have uh, Columbus Major. Like, there, there, there have been events there that have just been awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And the fans are always awesome. I mean, the crowd in general is a pretty good. Yeah, it, I don't have any problem with American crowds. It is sick. It is still one of my all-time favorite events, MLG Columbus. So, I mean, like, you, you still have that, and you're, you're, like, you're hoping it's not rose-tinted glasses and that you couldn't reproduce that in the future, because I think you could. And it, it is a good point you're, you're making in the sense that neutral territory. The thing is that Cologne is neutral territory in a sense, and everybody in Europe can get there, and you can get there easily from everywhere else as well. 
so it's you know Cologne is kind of the better place if you wanted to to say neutral. But um, yeah, I get where you're going with this. All right, uh, divorce lives in Lucky's shadow. Will Alexi B haters be forgiven on Judgment Day? <laughs> I don't know. We're about to find out if uh, <laughs> we're about to find out if Nip uh, survive. If Nip don't survive this RMR, I think actually though that they are they they're gonna go down if they if they lose their next match they'll still go down to this last chance. But then they have to go up against FaZe eventually to get out. So that's not going to be easy either. Uh, what do you think? Do, do, do you give, do you give uh, mercy to the, uh, to the haters? In what sense? Uh, I think he's just saying tongue-in-cheek, will, uh, will they be forgiven on Judgment Day? As in uh, uh, that they didn't believe that they had uh, too little faith in Alexi B as the IGL to lead all IGLs. I mean, I just don't understand what people hear on with Alexi B. I don't get it because here's the weirdest thing. He's not like a guy who makes cocky statements in interviews. He's not got a, like a bad personality. He's never even done anything controversial. All he did was lead like a Finnish team that had no business being world-class to like actual like major final, like winning against the And then he took OG, which was like a new project and pretty good. I don't know what people hate on him. As far as I can tell, Samler, and this is another reason why CSGO is a fucking shit esport, is if foreign likes someone too much, everyone has to lie and say that he's shit to own Thorin. Well, here's the problem with that, guys. Do you know the players you all pick to do that with? I'll just give you a little list. Simple, Device, Nico, Carrigan. You fucking morons are the best players of all time. You all went against those players. By the way, there's one thing I will enjoy when CSGO ends, mate. I was told for three or four years, I have no eye test, and I'm a moron for saying Device is one of the best players in the world. He's going to leave this game with the greatest resume of any player ever. Suck my... <laughs> game over. Because I don't get that one, mate. What do people hate on with Alexi B? He's just a good eye gel, isn't he? No one's saying he's the best ever. He's just good. What's going <laughs> to hate on? I don't get it, mate. Uh, Don't get I it. guess, uh, I guess the question is, you know, was the, like, they're obviously going to be like, oh, was the hype too much? Was he, was, were the expectations too much? Was he sold as, uh, as, as the next, uh, the second coming of an IGL, uh, the, the major winning IGL? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, capsize or no, hold on. Uh, lunar word heard. How important is the clutch element in a team to win championships? And how can this element be developed in a roster? Ooh, do you think do you do you subscribe to that? It's it's a case of either you have it or you don't. Do you think somebody can be? No, built no, no. I mean, I think Astralis is a great hard. example. Like, dude, didn't Device go from the player who was anti clutch to the player that was really clutch? Like by the there end, in those last couple of majors, you could you you would have bet your house every time he was in a one v one. You just knew he would win. Like he just look. I, I, here's the th key thing. I do think if generally you start your career out as someone who's not clutch then usually that is the way it goes. Like, you do tend to struggle for a long, 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 long time. Meanwhile, a lot of the players who were very clutch, shocks is a classic example, that mm -hmm. does seem to last even towards the end of your career. Like, that is there's something inherent. But I do think that if you are a really great player, it is sometimes possible just through experience to sort of take over and become more in that regard. I just think it's very rare that it happens. It's so difficult to pull off. It's so difficult to, I mean, well, you see, you see just how, how difficult it is where, I mean, it takes years of uh, tournament experience and then maybe then, maybe even then it doesn't pan out for you. 
It's just that we always have, you know, like you pointed out, device to device. I don't think there's, put it so well, on the part of like, can you train them? I don't think you could do that. Or at least if you could, it wouldn't be the IGL or the team. It'd be something like working with sports psychologists or something. Maybe that could help you a bit, but. I actually think that whole topic's mega overrated. I'm so bored of people. You know, one of the shittest metaphors of all time was people taking the metaphor that the human brain's like a computer and actually treating the mind like a computer. Like, it doesn't work that way. You don't just but push these buttons, now you're clutch. Like, there's so much more complicated than that, isn't it? Like, come on, guys. Like, there's no easy fix to problems of the mind, for fuck's sake. So it's the most complicated area possible. You could, uh, there was a speech that was really interesting on that topic, uh, Aldous Huxley's Berkeley speech. You can go and listen to that if you want some insight. Uh, capsize, which is the best Seinfeld episode in your opinion? Do you watch Seinfeld? I, I haven't watched it since One of my favorites like, of all time, yeah. Okay, then. Do you have a best, uh, do you have a best episode? Um, there's two ways I can do this. Like, in general, the best episodes are actually in the last season. There are a lot of them really amazing ones there. So I have two that I would pick out as my favorites. But oh, actually shit? not okay. from that season, though. I just say, if you want to, if you never watched Seinfeld, just watch the last season, basically. It's all the best episodes. Uh, there's two episodes I would recommend. One is the one called uh, The Opposite. And the premise just goes like this. A character just decides that he's made the wrong decisions in life. So from now on, he's going to do the opposite of whatever he thinks he should do. So you can imagine what an amazing concept that is. That's just a really good episode. And then the other one is, there's one called, um, I'm not actually sure what the name is, but it, people will know it's a two-part episode. It's the one where the premise goes, you know how in America, famously similar, when you buy a bottle of like Sprite, it'll say on the back of the bottle, like, you know, you get five cents for bringing it back in New York, but it'll always have one weird territory. Like, you know, but in Oregon, you get like 10 cents for bringing it back. There'll be uh -huh. a weird thing like that, right? The premise goes, there's an episode like that. So Kramer comes up with the idea that they're going to fill a truck with bottles and just drive to the state where you get more money. And that's how he's going to get extra cash out there. So you'll have to watch it. Like, the it might even be called the bottle deposit or something. Like, those two episodes, just the premises of fucking bangers on these two. Like, you can already see where the comedy comes in, you know? <laughs> all right perfect uh dude i had like that's the thing i remember enjoying it but i haven't watched it in so long but i remember watching it because it was always so good like it was always on tv it was one of those things where it's just like it was just on tv so you watched it all right weakest uh was happy ever considered a star player and how if at all did his baiting style of play at the end of his career tarnish his legacy in csgo Thanks if you much. don't know I'm actually weird in the sense that when they won that first major as LDLC, I actually gave the MVP to Kishima. Everyone else gave it happy if you don't know. He was considered the star of that team. In fact, that's why when he became bad, everyone hated on him because he actually called in a very selfish way. Like he really was like blame F and complexity. He was just lurking. He was getting all the kills and they were losing the game when that happened. Yeah, it looked terrible. But the problem is once upon a time, he did that and it worked. Like he would be on his own. He'd get all the kills. He'd bait, but the death ball would work and they'd win the game. And it made them really hard to play against. So once upon a time, yeah, he was absolutely one of the best players in the world. The problem is it just only lasted about a year or something, you know? Right. He fell off pretty hard, didn't he? He did. That, and he got so much flack and so much criticism. And then that probably did um, close doors for him afterwards with, uh, you know, future projects trying to he's make He's also very stubborn though. Like, you know him as a person. The problem is he just thought, he, essentially, if people don't know, I don't know if to this day he ever actually acknowledges that his game fell off and that he, just, he thought everyone was just hating on him or something, didn't he? Like, what the fuck? Mm. I don't get it myself. All right, Conde. Uh, I mean, we we have maybe like ten more questions. Do you want to do, do you want to do it in uh in one run, or uh, we can save some for the next episode? Well, let's go for now and see how long they take. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Conde. 
Counter-Strike 2 update is coming out this summer. Which players do you, which players do you think will adapt to new changes quickly and for whom will it be difficult? Um first off, I think what the obvious is this question. I don't I mean, who do you think well, who do you think like I think you there's you obviously can't name names, but what you can say is okay, I think the younger players who have fewer responsibilities and who who can grind the game 12 hours a day are going to have a they're going to adjust faster because they can put more time and more effort into getting good at the game. There you go. If there are significant changes, i.e. to mechanics, movement, those those kinds of muscle memory things that are going to be necessary. There you go. That'll be that'll I be don't good. think you can know, basically. The problem is to me, there's no rhyme or reason as to why people are good at games. They either are or they aren't, unfortunately. Yeah, after that, you'll have guys who who get in there and who try to come up with all sorts of crazy strategies, skyboxes, that sort of thing, right? You know, like you'll be able to reinvent the game in a sense, but that'll come that'll come with more time. Lord Forrest, with the Paris Major being the last major on, on the Source 1 engine, how do you believe the anticipation for the Source 2 engine scene will affect upcoming tournaments, better or worse viewership, change team's motivation or, or, or practice? P.S. Love the content for years. Glad to finally be in a position to support. Insert parasocial relationship joke. Well, thanks very much for the support, Lord Forrest. We appreciate that, man. You're awesome. Um, thank you very much for supporting the show. Uh, with the Paris major being held, I mean, we we kind of, I mean, keep in mind, guys, we are catching up on questions that have kind of spanned weeks here. So, you know, we may get some some similar ones in the batch. Uh, but with Paris major being the last uh, major on the Source 1 engine, how do you believe the anticipation for the Source 2 engine uh, scene will affect upcoming tournaments? I mean, I think we kind of answered this in the sense that there's a lot of hype going into this last CSGO major. And because FaZe won the, um, FaZe won the Grand Slam already, there isn't a lot of hype, you know, a lot of big storylines going into any of the other events apart from the major. So it pretty much is full focus on the major, and then I expect everything to wind down going into the summer break, and then all the hype to be built up for you know everybody switching over to CS2 when that goes live in the summer. Do you have anything you want to add? That's all good. Kaike, is, S is Ents playing really well, or are their opponents just playing bad, or is it just a mix? I'd say a mix. Like, Ents is playing well. They've had some really good matches. Like, the Nerds guy did turn out to be way better than Valde, and no one knew how good he'd be. It's just the problem is, I, I have to see a bit more sample size. Like, I don't... Like, it's their wins over the big-name teams. I don't really know if I'll buy some of those. Yeah, you can always have an off day. Like, your opponent can have an off day. You can have, an uh, you know, an above-average day, and then the stars align, and, and that happens. I mean, they're going to get tested now. Um, as we're recording this, uh, the last round of uh, the group is uh, coming together. Group B is coming together for EU. And they're going to get tested now because Ents are going to go up against Cloud9. Uh, so that'll be a best of three format studio environment. It'll, that'll be a test. I mean, you can't ask for much more of a test than that so far in this group, apart from going up against like G2 or Heroic or Vitality. I mean, you're going to go up against Cloud9. This will be, this will be a, a, you know, a real test for Ents to see if they've got the chops or if they haven't quite got it. The other matchups real quick. Uh, Nip will go up against Big. Aurora will go up against Forza. So Nip, Nip, Big. I mean, I feel like Nip really—they probably got the best one there, actually, out of out of the remaining three. What do you think? I mean, in theory, on paper, they should be able to beat that team. It's not even that good anymore. Yeah, Big are really—it's the struggle bus for them. Kind of feel for Tabson in a way. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, Porthos, what is an underrated classic that more people need to watch or read? Whatever classic means to you, book or movie. Mm -hmm. Underrated classic. Underrated classic? But I mean, if it's a classic, then it's not underrated. But 
I don't know. What is an underrated classic that more people need to watch or read right off the top of my head? I mean, dude, I don't know. I always go, I, I, you know, I'm always going to go for like Hornblower, Master and Commander, Hornblower. You know, you, you, lear, you, you, you learn so much. You get so much out of reading those, those series. And there's so much fun to read. Um, you know, English, the language, the culture, the history, just everything about them are, is just amazing. And they're, they're, apparently there's a, there's a, so those are, the, those are the British Navy in the Napoleonic War. But apparently there's this Lord Sharp or this Commander Sharp um, that was played by Bean. That's the military perspective. Oh, Sean um, Bean, you mean? Yeah, there's like Sean a TV Bean. series that was like in the 90s that was a lot of series about that, yeah. Apparently, and it's like I saw clips, like clips have started popping up on my YouTube and I've been watching some of those and they've been great. So uh, I got to check that out. I don't know. Do you have anything that pops to mind on this? I mean, I can always do movies. The problem is the classic part. Like, why throw that in? Just ask for a movie that's underrated. How about that? There you so go. I'll say... Um... <clears throat> Let me think. Well, one of my favorites that is mega underrated and loads of people said shit. I just love that movie, The Fountain. I think it's mega. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay. I think it's one of the best movies ever. It's mega. The graphics are awesome. Story's great. It all fits together in an interesting way. It's a super creative way of telling a story as well. Good actors. Everything about it's good for me. Yeah. Dude, that's actually, yeah, that is. And you're totally right in that that is mad underrated. It's it's such a sick movie. No one ever talks about it, man. Yeah, exactly. It really is one of those things where it kind of just flew by. I don't think that people actually are, are equipped to understand it anymore. Does that make sense? No, they, they aren't. Uh, the, that's that's the thing. It's, it's just a uh, now that you mention it, I should rewatch that. <laughs> I'm gonna make a note. All right, perfect. Uh, let's see. A Martins, is it more frustrating to see a good IGL with bad players or amazing players with a bad IGL? I think it's easily the former. It's why I found the career of people like Existence, fucking Alexi B, MSL so frustrating. Because to me, like, at least in Indi- one of the best things about CSGO as a game is if you're the star, you can often get your numbers anywhere. The there problem you if you're the IGL is you can be the most... I've seen MSL do this, mate. I've seen MSL have halves on Mirage where for no joke, he called like 10 really good T rounds, but his team wasn't good enough players and they won six. And to a fan, they'd be like, you lost T half. It's like... He doesn't control the crosshair, mate. Like, he, all he does is tell him where to go and how to get into the site and work together. Like, so I think the problem is it's so easy. It's probably, actually, that probably answers the question earlier. That's why people hate on Alexi B because they don't have the eye test to actually know is he calling the game well. So they just go, wow, you guys say he's good, but his team isn't good, so he must be bad. It's just people doing that, isn't it? So I think the problem is there's just so much, so much nuance to what an IGL does. Yeah, that's the, the the take amazing players with a bad IGL. That's the thing. You can be an amazing player, and half the time, you're going to win. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're going to be able to make it happen regardless. Whereas, like you say, a good IGL with bad players, well, you know, there's only so much you can do. There's only so you can only call a game so well without just the sheer firepower to go up against a simple or, a, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the great players. The stars will do the damage. Uh, so, yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Snake Gold. What needs to happen for CS2 to have the best esports tournaments? Okay, already. So, what were we missing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're already pretty good. I guess, like, what would you say? Like, would you want to change the format? Is there a format or something that you would rather? I mean, see? I like double a limb or maybe best of five final. The the only real thing I would change. The only thing I think CS needs is I just wish like Asia gave more of a shit. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I would like it to be like League of Legends and Dota, where everyone from China tries to play, et cetera. Like, that would be cool. Aside from that, I think it was already got the best tournaments. Isn't the tournament format the best part of CSGO? Pretty sure it is. Pretty much open format. I mean, well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Tasty AMG. Would you two consider doing a show on of, on the greatest players of all time in each role, like the one Thorin did with Monty and I Will Dominate a year or two ago on Summoning Insight? If so, who would your guest be? I mean, it's possible we would, but here's the problem. Don't ask me those questions. This is a common trend through my whole career. I don't like people to ask me, who would you like to go on this thing? Because by, by inference, I am putting public pressure on them to be part of the content. Now someone like you can go to the person I say and annoy them and ask them over and over. And the, would you do it? And then if they don't say it, you go, but why? Do you have some beef with Thorin? Is there something? I don't want any of that. So here's the problem. I don't, I don't hate on you for asking the question. I understand why you'd be curious, but basically I wouldn't answer it. Like if I'd, I'd pick someone appropriate, but I don't want to put them on the spot now. I do think in the future that I probably will do a piece of content like that, especially because CSGO has ended. It would just be the right time to do it, wouldn't it? It would, exactly. That is actually probably uh, the perfect time coming up into the summer when, you know, post-major, you could really start looking at CSGO in its totality. That would be that would be a big pro Like, there's a lot of potential for projects there, actually. That's pretty cool. Uh, you could do a lot there uh, to kind of, like, put a bow on CSGO. All right, Blaz. Which player in Kerrigan's whole career would you say has benefited the most from playing under Kerrigan, both performance-wise and career-wise? The one that comes to mind, I suppose, is Rops, right off the top That's of my pretty head. pretty good. Because people are going to forget the mouse period, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, mouse, that yeah. mouse period basically made Rops and who he is yeah. today, yeah. So, and also there's that story behind the scenes. No one quite knows, was it like um, Ragin or Carrigan? But supposedly one of the issues they had in Mouse was that there were certain positions. I remember a famous one was they used to have Rops play like essentially the rain position of like up close on the ramp on Mirage on A-Site. And the problem with that position is it's like a one and done position. And as far as I remember, the second they moved Rops into like, I think it was Connector or Short, he like immediately just started multi-fragging. So even simple things like that, it actually seems that like they actually helped him form his identity as a player better. The problem is a lot of the other the players Carrigan had, I actually think like we're already great players. I'll give you another one. The other obvious one to me is Woxic because, mate, before that mouse lineup, Woxic was just a guy who every now and then popped off and quite frankly, he's been no one since then and no one gives a fuck about him right now. Like, that player point. under Carrigan looked really good at one point in time. That is, that is a really good point, actually, yeah. Woxic could be definitely one of them. I, I, it's, it's Rop, yeah, it's Rops. Uh, it feels like he got established under Carrigan and then he got cemented on phase. So uh, on Mao's, and then you know we see we see where they are now. Uh, not well about to get eliminated from the major. No, not quite. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. All right. Uh, let's see. Eo one twenty. Thorin, can you expand on why you didn't really go towards casting in your broadcasting career? I remember being very excited to hear you and Semler cast a match back in Flashpoint One because it felt so rare in CS:GO and never happens in League. We know why. Winky face. <laughs> Is your tendency towards being a heel just too much for casting a game? I mean, the simple answer is just this. People were just incredibly negative when I did all the casting. So since I was never someone who was enamored with casting anyway, like I don't mind it. To me, I actually prefer analysis. I like to just do short bursts and just get all my points ready and have a funny angle. Like I'm not against casting, but basically I've told people like Dost this and Launders this forever. It's like, I think it's the hardest gig in the world if the people don't like you, mate. Like there's no thing of like, but I'm the best, but it doesn't fuck all the haters. Like the haters are the people who have to watch the game, mate. So mm. the problem is, this is why in my opinion, Dost's just never made it. 
It's not that it has nothing to do with game knowledge or ability. People just on some level don't vibe with dust. I don't know why. And so the problem I always told him was this, mate, they can dislike you as a heel for 30 seconds on a desk. They can't dislike you for two hours. They're going to, they're just going to lose the patience with you. So essentially, even though I get the vibe, some of it was just haters being shitheads online. If enough people don't like Marcella Casting and it's not my main thing anyway, then what's the point? There's no point swimming against the stream. And, also, and also, there's a million other people who want to be a caster. So what I did instead was I carved out my own niche on the desk. I just think it made more sense for everyone. That is, I mean, that that is the big, uh, I really, it really feels like you did just master the desk and that was your your realm. And there was really no reason to fuck around with yeah, it. Yeah, why much. would there be? It was too much for casting a game. <laughs> I mean, you have casted. But it's weird. There's a world where I could have been a caster, but it would have been like this. I always thought the best would have been if it was like a tri-cast and I just every now and then insert a thought, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe like that would have made sense. But the idea of like me being the permanent color commentator, I think I could do it. Like, by the way, fuck, there's no humbleness here. I think I could be really good. But if people don't like it, they don't like it. Like at the end of the day, people are supposed to... I, this is the ultimate thing I think about casters. By the way, all you guys out there who are like, I think that Bardolph is better than like... No, that just means you like Bardolph. That's it. I actually think about 90% of casters, you just like the personality of the person casting. If you like him, you can forgive so much. If you don't like him, you can't forgive anything. That's just casting, in it? You know? It's why, by the way, as a caster, it's really frustrating seeing all the people on Reddit tell you that the guy who's half as good as you is ten times better. It's like mm -hmm. you just like him more, you know. Like you guys don't know what you're and, talking about. And it's totally subjective. And again, <laughs> like being a caster, at least with uh, analysis. I mean, analysis. It's you could there's storylines. There's all sorts of stuff you can do, and you can make it snap, snappy, sharp. And of course, when clips were allowed on Reddit, you just dominated that because you always had like really incisive stuff. As a caster, there's it's, it's so difficult to judge the value of your work because you're not seeing any any rise in viewership. You're 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 not having any meaningful impact in terms of the viewership numbers, right? The people are tuning in to watch the game, no matter who's casting in general. So it really is difficult to judge like what is the value of your work and what kind of impact are you having at the end of the day, and not only justifying it to yourself but also justifying it to your employer who's paying you money. You know why are they paying you that much money if you know they can replace you with uh, you know uh, the next version of a caster who the community likes right now and who costs a third of the price, right? It's, it's, it's a really, um, it can be a pretty brutal, uh, uh, headspace to be, to operate in. And, um, that is definitely one of the things where it's just like, if you could avoid being a caster for that perspective, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. All right. Cheesecake enthusiast. What would it take for you, for you to join and participate in a Twitter space? Uh, but Twitter space is like this group stuff that they like, basically, isn't it just a stream? Yep. It's a, it's just a stream that takes place on Twitter, right? Like an yeah. audio podcast live type thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the answer for me is not, I'm just not interested. I don't know what the point would be. What's different from what I do now. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's not for me. Yeah, no, it doesn't really seem to make uh, sense right now, at least. Although I wonder, I wonder if you were to do it, like what your reach would be considering the followers, the following numbers that we have on Twitter, what, like how many people could you get to tune in? Is there a chat? Is there some way for people to inter interact with you? Or Something you like that, who knows? Hmm. The problem with that is the algo doesn't work that way anymore. You don't have 200,000 followers. You have however many the algo decides to push it to that it's day. True, so true, half true. that shit doesn't even mean anything anymore, does it? It's true, it's true, it's true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know. Hmm, all right. Uh, it's Young Badger. If you could commission a documentary for a specific CSGO team or player, which would you choose? 
I mean, I'll tell you what an obvious banger would be. Imagine doing one about the Titan that Kaylee got banned from right before the major. Wouldn't that be a fucking amazing documentary? That could be like a 30 for 30 or something. Yeah. And then obviously, uh, oh yeah, that would be good. That Especially would be if Kaylee would like do an interview with it. Imagine he actually answered the questions. Like that would be fucking amazing, wouldn't it? And it, there's been enough time now. Perhaps you could do it. Why he not? May, he, he may even be willing to. Think about it. That'd be wild. And if you just pay him, maybe he'll do it. Who knows? Yeah, probably. I mean, if you could, it's like, for specific CSGO team, that is such a good one. I mean, the other one, how would you do it? Uh, the one that actually just sprang to mind for me, I don't know if this would be interesting or not, but Dupree is now the only player to have attended all thir all all majors uh, from the beginning of CSGO to the end because uh, he Vitality just qualified. So you could you could do some kind of uh, storyline for Dupree because you have that whole period at the beginning where they they were a choking mess. And then they slowly get better to the point where then the Astralis era happens. And now you have him here where he's still attending. Although I don't know if you end on a high note. I mean, Vitality would have to go deep in the tournament and be competitive. It's not like he's having these like crazy individual performances right now himself either. But, you know, just on the, the merits of making the major each time could be interesting uh, from that perspective to have this kind of like storyline built around him going forward. Uh, just an example. Uh, Chinulada. On which team... Would you like to see Forrest, if any at all? The problem here, again, is the question is, am I doing it for Forrest or the team or me? Because if it's for Forrest, put him on the best team you can. If I'm talking about, like, CS, it realistically, I actually think logically, by the way, he should be on a team like Apex. That's the sort of level you should be playing you at. Yeah. You know, you'd be in the mix. You wouldn't be a top player, but there's some value to still have in here. You could probably get a nice little salary. I would put him on a... a like, here's the thing. They all want me to do this. I'm like... He's on FaZe Clan now. Like, why would FaZe Clan want him is the point, though. So I think it's just fairer for everyone if he's on a team like Apex. There you go. Or Ents or something like that, you know. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's pretty... I pretty much agree. Like, a tier... Uh, just, you know, tier two, cusp of tier one. He still has firepower. It's just a question of time. It's always a question of time. With uh, You know, are they going to be able to... Uh, to invest the time necessary because it's online qualifiers, relentless online qualifiers. If you're not in the space in the Louvre agreement space, so would he be able to actually, you know, commit to that in that sense? Um, that's what makes me wonder about uh, Forrest. But he's streaming and he's still, he's still. There's still the, the thing is that he does the mix, the mixes, and actually does get, uh, you know, relatively deep in the qualifiers right now with mixed teams. So it's fun to watch. But uh, that's that's pretty much it. Artisan, do you consider all of the seven deadly sins to be equally immoral? If not, which do you consider to be the worst? If time allows, which of the seven virtues, in your opinion, is the most virtuous? Time allows, which of the seven virtues, in your opinion, is the most virtuous? I mean, there is, like, pride, I guess, is always the one that, uh, that gets touted because it's the queen of all sins. Um... Uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, pride goes before the fall prize. I mean, it's the reason why it's one of the primary ones. I mean, you could say that that's, uh, uh, that, that is the chief one that then, uh, and I mean, it's the, yeah, it's the chief one, uh, that, uh, all others, uh, stem from. Um, so I wouldn't say that I could, uh, that I would consider them equally immoral. There's probably, uh, uh, grades to it. I haven't put, I haven't put much thought into this particular question. Uh, in a while now, so I don't even, I don't even know really how to approach it, because again, the seven deadly sins—it's it's even sourcing where the seven seven deadly sins come from—is that just uh, is that just uh, from the church? Because uh, you know, is it in the Bible? Is it spelled out? Where do they come from? Who's determined them? These sorts of things. Where I got uh, kind of stuck in that rabbit hole, and I'm still not through it yet. I got distracted, so 
uh, not really there. Have you put any thought into this topic? Not really. I mean, I would just say two obvious things. One, if there was a right answer, wouldn't God have told you while telling you the deadly sins? Like, by the way, the order goes like this. Like, I think if yeah. it was pertinent, there'd be that. So to me, that almost implies there isn't one. Therefore, it's just what's your preference? So I would say of them, I actually think for me, I would say I think the worst in a sense is actually envy. Because here's the problem. You can find reasons behind all the other ones as to why it might be justified that you'd feel this way or you'd have a horrible thought. But here's the thing. If you are envious of other people, you will ruin everything about your life and potentially theirs if you can. Because think about it, right? One of the worst things in the world is the idea you can't even allow someone else to be like, enjoy life or to succeed. Everything that happens to them, you have to selfishly relate to yourself. Like, that should be me. That should be that. That, dude, that makes Indeed. you just like a little demon in my opinion. Like, I know that sounds like one of the lesser ones, but like... I think if you have that as a problem, that's a mad red flag on your character. And then if I spin it the other way, I actually think for virtues, people would pick all the classic ones like charity, whatever. I actually think a mad underrated one's just patience, mate. I think it's really hard to be patient with people. And if I think of the people I consider the best people, they are people who have mega patience and restraint and they can sort of like allow a situation to unfold without jumping in too fast. So I'm picking these more just my own subjective reasons. I don't really have like some grand reason why, you know. No, that's a, that's, it's hard to have like the whole grand reason, unless you, you're kind of based in the philosophy and the theology of it. And then at that point it goes, it's all up, it's all up in the air as well. Uh, after this, you know, it's like, oh, the seven deadly sins. Well, you know, is this, uh, is this Dante? Is this, uh, you know, where, where are you getting this, uh, this stuff from as well? Right. So, um, and then you have to go for the sources, you have to figure it out. So again, in passing like that, uh, patience is a good one too. Nice. All right, Wizard, for the best overall narrative storylines and match, which two teams would you want playing in the finals of the last CSGO major? I think, well, already we kind of uh, touched on this earlier. I mean, I think the big storyline for me, at least going into this major, is just to see if, G if uh, G2 can make it and if Nico can win a major, because uh, it's pretty much all on the line for him. And the CSGO major, he, he has to make it happen. It's now or never, literally. So I feel like, at least as far as one team is concerned, it has to be G2 in the final. To me, what actually makes this easy is that obviously Faiz was the team that just won the Grand Slam. Faiz versus G2 in the final would be the best storyline because either Carrigan wins two majors or Nico wins a major against Carrigan, which was a classic story. Like that, that alone would be an amazing fucking storyline, wouldn't it? Like think about it. It's one of those ones where you can't lose. No matter who wins, it's going to be some epic shit. So I think Especially that would yeah, be the one Carrigan I would winning his second one over Nico. <laughs> like right the there. shit talk right there, isn't it? Like at that point, you don't even have to say anything. You just like suck my dick. What can he say? He can't say shit to you, can he? I just, I just hope against hope. Because again, man, if it is that cutthroat, if it is that brutal, there's only one team that survives this, this, this last chance qualifier out of six possible teams. Where you could be, you could, I mean, it, it could be that there, you've got Cloud Nine. I mean, you could have Cloud Nine down there. You could have Ents down there. You could have Nip down there. I mean, they could be some pretty spicy teams that you're gonna have to run into in a single elimination bracket through and through. Um, yeah, seeing whether or not FaZe can pull it off is going to be a big deal. This will be fascinating. Uh, I certainly hope so, because I would be. it would be tragic to see FaZe get knocked out. It would To see them not make the last major now, after winning the Grand Slam, and just because of the storyline you just mentioned, man, I'd, I'd hate to see it happen. It would really... Here's the sad thing, though. 
Sadly, Carrigan actually is too chill. Like, he doesn't really, like, hold it personal against Nico, all that shit. I would. I would be petty as fuck, me. I'd be on some idiot Adesanya shit. Like, if I were Carrigan and, like, say I won this major and I win my second major, it, not only if G2 lost, but if Nico at all had a bad game, I'd even do that thing where when you go up and you shake hands, I'd pull him in a second when I got his hand. Like, I'd do that. And when I pull him in, I'd just go, I always knew you'd win me a major, thanks. And then just walk off. Oh, <laughs> and just end CS call it like see you, see you, see us too, dickhead. <laughs> see ya, just just and fit fizz out, whatever that shit is. <laughs> what is that? Fizz out, fizz out. Well, there you go, there you go. Perfect. On that note, uh, we're gonna take, we're gonna, we're gonna be out as well because that was the last question. So we're all caught up on the questions. Everybody, thank you so much for the support. Thank you for submitting the questions over this uh, this period of time that we've been kind of in and out on the show. So. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support. And again, if you want to, if you want to uh, support the show, you can go over to the Discord and um, subscribe there. That directly supports the channel and that this, all the content that's on it as well. So um, if you're a fan of Maui's uh, content as well, if uh, the League of Legends stuff, everything is on there. And so uh, go and check it out. It definitely goes a long way. And um, you can ask your questions each week as well. Each uh, each week you can ask a question and we'll answer it on the show when we do a show. So there may be another backlog. We'll see. But uh, thanks again. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in and for supporting us. And, um, dude, thanks again for another show. This is awesome. Good to be back. And, um, you know, we'll see if we're, if we're back next week or if we're back in a couple of weeks with our next episode. Uh, stay tuned on the social. Again, Discord, good place to be. You'll know when the show's going live, when we're recording. And, um, yeah, until then, have a great one. We'll see you then. Chris is still very much in the round. Chris, getting close, this with an ace! Oh my god! He gives him a chance to lead to this season.